You're listening to The Next Dimension. Dragon Ball Z presents Dead Zone and the world's strongest, strongest, strongest. To the next dimension of Dragon Ball Z podcast. My name again is Donovan Morgan Grant, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Jesse Garrett. Hello, out there, fans, listeners, people who downloaded. Thank you, people in America, Japan, Mexico, Philippines. Actually, speaking of Mexico, this is this will be a quick segue. But before you know, before we get into the the feedback tonight, we're gonna if you forgot or didn't read uh, which episode you downloaded. Jesse, <laughs> Jesse and I are going to cover the first two Dragon Ball Z movies, Dead Zone and the World's Strongest. Uh, we don't expect this to be too long of an episode, at least compared to our previous shows where we cover the main saga. So this this will be. I don't think we don't expect this to be you know like like two minutes, but this will this will be sufficient enough. So it'll be sort of like a, a, a um, uh, you know a mid course special, as we shall say. Um, I'm I'm really excited to get into these. So uh, and Jesse is as well. As I am, yeah. I watched them both last night and really enjoyed them. Oh, we're yeah. uh, we're breaking the mold with these. Yeah, this this I think this will be a good thing for us from now on. Like after after all the slaughter and uh, you know mayhem of <laughs> the Saiyan saga, where every episode had us like just covering our eyes and like, oh my god, they did that. We can we can sit back and relax with these nice and child friendly movies where nothing bad happens. <laughs> but uh, as I as I alluded to before, we have have some feedback. Not too much, but only two emails. But one from our returning friend Daniel, but before we get to Daniel, we had an email come in before him uh, from some guy in Mexico, as he said, name, um, name, he signs Steven, although his, uh, his address is, is directed to Esteban Tarango Terriquez, and Jesse shall read this, so what does he say, Jesse? Steven says, hey guys, first off, I love the show, it is very nostalgic to hear those sound clips. I recently had the urge to rewatch the DBZ series all over again, 
And thanks to you, some things are now much more clear. But I was wondering, are they go are you going to talk about the DBZ movies? Since no. I live in Mexico, I watched the whole series in Spanish, but I recently bought the DVDs in the US and have to say that both dubs are amazing. Also, I left a written review on the iTunes marketplace. It pretty much expresses my love for the series and how much I like this podcast. Keep up the good work. Sincerely, Stephen. Thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, to answer your question, we will not cover the movies. Not today or ever. Yeah, psh, who cares about those things? Yeah, they have nothing to do with Vegeta, so we're not going the, to cover them. The only, the only movie we are covering is the masterpiece known as Dragon Ball Evolution. Which the very, very utterance just makes me choke in despair. No, you know what you need to do in editing. You need to bleep it out. <laughs> like, beep beep beep. Oh, whoops! We, we lost that in editing. Somehow the, di- the the audio went away. So, oh well. Uh, I hope Stephen will um, be pleasantly surprised to learn that this very episode where his request will be answered immediately. Um, we like instant gratification to our listeners. Yeah, we're going to cover the Namek Saga, where uh, everybody's in the hospital figuring out what to do. But now we, we decided to scrap that and instantaneously cover the movies that we didn't watch. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Thank you very much. And uh, hope you enjoy what we're about to say about the two first two movies. The next email comes back from our old returning friend, Daniel Yarbrough. Uh, you'll like this, Jesse. Titled, Krillin Becomes Evil! Maybe, maybe not. So uh, No! <laughs> spoilers for something that... Probably it's not going to happen. Daniel writes, Hey there, Donovan and Jesse. I just finished listening to your fourth episode, and I honestly think your show is getting better with each episode. I'm glad to hear the numbers are rising with it. I'm surprised how quickly it's become an immediate must-listen-to show on my podcast playlist. This time around, you guys have done a really great job covering the end of the Saiyan saga. Your enjoyment and enthusiasm was so infectious for the Goku and Vegeta fight, I had to resist the urge to stop listening and go pop in my DVDs of the episode. It's funny that you mentioned that Pogo Magazine's casting list. Back in the early 2000s, I knew of one, I knew one of the people who worked on Pojo's website, and I talked with them about the casting list posted up there and had made some suggestions of my own picks to give them, a few which wound up on their list. I don't remember if the Goldberg Nappa was one, was one of mine or just a coincidence, but I did give them their pick for who should play Goku. Yeah, this sounds. This really amounts to nothing, but the idiot 17-year-old in me took secret pride in this as my mark on the DBZ fandom. If I can find that Pojo magazine somewhere, I'll check that out again. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. I remember they had Leonardo DiCaprio playing Trunks, uh, which, who knows? <laughs> um, I can't remember much, other, much, much of the other uh, castings. They're, they're only like a handful of characters. Certainly better than um, who they got to play in Dragon Ball Evolution. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Daniel continues. This is probably a question better suited for when you guys get a little further into the series, but your discussion of Vegeta killing Nappa brought it to mind. My girlfriend and I have been working on fanfiction and comics playing with Saiyan history based on what little is shown in the different canons that we've noticed when looking at similar fan work that the common... Hey, Don, Don, Pauls. I just want to say, you have an awesome girlfriend, man. Yeah, no, like, like a girlfriend who works on fan fiction about Dragon Ball Z. Man, I want to hear. That's you, awesome. Does she have a sister? That's that's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah two sisters. Mm. <laughs> or some friends who would like to, to to fellow discuss Dragon Ball Z with. If you're going to work on some fan fiction together, you know, we can get, we can get down sometime. Yeah, contact us at dbcnextmission.hotmail.com. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, Daniel's wonderful girlfriend and him continue by saying that uh, we've noticed when looking at similar fan work that the common perception of Saiyans is that they are ruthless, heartless killing machines. And I know that a lot of the basis for this opinion is from Vegeta and how he treats Raditz and Nappa. So the question I'd like your opinions on is, do you think Vegeta would be an accurate picture of what the Saiyans were like? Or do you think he would be an extreme case whose perspective may even be screwed up by the how he is how, and how he was brought up? Um, I know it's kind of a, a hard question to answer. This is me talking. I know it's kind of a hard question to answer at this point, but so far, Jesse, how do you, how do you find the Saiyans? Do you think that they're all like Vegeta, or do you think Vegeta is a special case from what you've seen? Hmm... I think even compared to Nappa, who and and Raditz, who are the only kind of examples, he definitely comes off more calculating. The other ones seem are they're clearly evil, bad guys, but they're not as malicious with it. It's more of a like Nappa is kind of a, a force of nature, single-minded about it. Um, mm. So I, I'd like to think that Vegeta would be a better representation of them on the whole. <laughs> but uh, no, no. Uh, of, of the shoes. you know three I know that I've seen, <laughs> um, I mean he he you know the planet's named after him, which is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, well, yeah, like I said, I assume that's kind of a good representation. Okay, I mean again, Goku has brain damage, so he doesn't really count. Yeah, no. um, yeah I think I said before, I forget if I if I had or not, but um, I don't. I would like to imagine that Saiyans aren't inherently an evil race, even though they are bred for fighting. Yeah, actually, to amend my comment, I think that, yeah, like you were saying, it's not necessarily the race is in inherently or innately evil, but I think he's a good representation of the society that he, he comes from. Okay, that, that's, that's a, I, like, I like your take on that. Like, he's... <laughs> If you want to be a Saiyan, be Vegeta. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's more. He, he he does speak a lot of the Saiyan elite, so you kind of get the idea that that's beat into him and Nappa, that this is what you you know what you what you do to be successful. Mm hmm. Right. There's, and there are certain traits like they come with it, like 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 not only you want to fight a lot, but there's a lot of pride that comes into your heritage. Um, and it's really hard to say because, uh. The Saiyans that come by later are, are they're, they're not, they don't, there's no other Saiyans like Vegeta that comes by later on, so it's hard to kind of extrapolate that thought, um, which is interesting. I, I like that question that Daniel had for us. It's a good question. And he continues, as I said, I really liked your guys' coverage of the fight between Goku and Vegeta in all its forms, and I want to thank you for noting how brutal it was for both that, and that it was more or less an even matchup. I've seen far too many attempts by some fans to try to argue that because Goku gets taken out of the fight by his broken body that that means vegeta is the winner and stronger character it's obvious when you really look at it that the fuck that that's just not true yeah yeah i mean you know goku because he used the kaoken to amplify his strength technically he would be stronger than vegeta vegeta was stronger than him when he was an ape but if you want to look at the, their normal strengths i can see, i've heard i've heard people say that vegeta was the was the stronger character but since Goku ha had pulled Kaioken out of him, I would I would suggest that Goku was. But uh, it seems Goku Goku had more of a potential to win, but mm -hmm. he may he uh, I guess you could say he may have lost in that he didn't pace or he paced himself. But the Ko using the Kaioken caused him to. So I guess he didn't fight as 
intelligently as he could have. Uh, but as far as the actual power levels go, I think that's just kind of comparing apples into oranges at that point. But either way, it was an awesome fight. Oh yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It was it was cool. Donovan, I would dare not debate that this is one of the best fights in all of Dragon Ball Z because it is. But I'm curious, do you think this fight would hold would still hold such a high place for you and American fans in general if it wasn't for the fact that this was really the only big fight we got to see in the series for such a long time? Do you think the fact that we did not see any of the previous big fights from Dragon Ball or didn't really get into any of the epic battles from DBZ for such a long time changes the perspective of it? That's another good question. Um, I think that because, yeah, because we uh, initially when Dragon Ball Z was on the air, that was, that was definitely like the, the fight that stuck out in most people's minds. I would say until the Vegeta Raccoon fight. And even then, Goku versus Vegeta was, was seen as number one. Um... And then thinking back on Dragon Ball, which wasn't in America at the time, I think it is because what I said in the last episode was it's so different. Mainly, a lot of the fights that are coming up, just just you know, I'm just gonna say it, are more a lot more one-sided. Whether they're good back, the good guys are winning or the bad guys are winning, it's not as much less of an actual fight than the Goku and Vegeta one was because in that one you saw Goku and Vegeta struggle and try to keep the other upper hand. It wasn't just it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, like 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 100 uh, against zero. It was more like 50-50, and I think that's really why. Because you know, I really thought about it. The reason why it's it's seen as such a great fight is because not only are these the most, the strongest characters in the series. You know, they're the most prolific characters. You know, people love Goku and people love Vegeta. To see those characters just like just kill each other, trying to kill, you know, basically kill themselves, trying to kill each other. It just it just made for a really brilliant fight, and I think that. Um, I mean. I'll say it right now. I have there's fights later on that I really like um, as much, if not more, than the Goku Vegeta fight. I especially during the Cell Saga. But I think that the Vegeta and Goku fight is unique in that it stands by itself in how even-handed it was. I think that is what had a lot of uh, left a lot of impressions on people's minds. Not so much that it was the biggest fight, but it was because it was it it stood out among itself. So you you think while there are more that or your favorite, or that you have a personal affinity for, you think this one is still probably the best presented as far as yeah. like quality of the fight? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that this one was really, really well written. I mean, just when you see it, it's just, you, you can tell. It's, there's no ha-ha-ha. I mean, there's a little from Vegeta, but like that, to me, the fight really doesn't begin until Goku does Kaioken times three. And then it's just like those two characters just gritting their teeth and trying to beat the living crap out of each other that's what stays in people's minds yeah. um plus there's the fact that you know like which which fight could go longer or not i mean the, the freeze the fight's infamous for how long it is so that like the vegeta goku fight was just just it's it's hard for me to put down uh, aside from just saying that it really was one of its kind in my opinion um now here's a question don uh uh-huh. do We've spoken on length about how Dragon Ball had a different tone in it, and basically a different, maybe a different type of storytelling. Were the fight scenes stylistically different, other than other than obviously when you're dealing with Saiyans and a higher magnitude of power levels? Other than that, were they, you know, were they more martial arts as opposed to spirit bombs? <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's ironic you say that because I was actually reading up because I've, um, for those who don't know, I've currently home uh, for spring break for the week, 
And uh, I raided my brother's closet and, like, was reading some old Dragon Ball stuff just yesterday. Um, and I was reading, like, near the end of the original King Piccolo saga. Um, and I actually saw some stuff on YouTube. I mean, I've seen this before, but I've seen it, you know, the first time after a while. Like, the Goku-Krillin fight in the 22nd Tenkaichi Budokai. Um, from what, I, from what I've seen, which is all of it, but, like, from what I remember, yeah, besides the tone, the comedic tone, the fights, they're a lot more... First of all, they are more down to earth because you can you can see you can see the punches a lot slower. I mean, they're done very fast, but they're 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 not done. The characters aren't moving at super speed, even though uh, they might say they are the narrative. Like, oh, they're moving so fast, but you can kind of follow it better. But even in terms of like how the fights are presented in the writing, it's a lot more of like a martial artist standpoint. It is really more, um, more you know who is the better fighter rather than who is stronger. Um, in, in fact, that that comes up mainly throughout the entire series until Piccolo comes in the game. It's just, you know, okay, Goku is a great fighter, but can, is he better than Tien? Or Krillin's a great fighter, but is he better than Yamcha? It's like, you know, who can who was a smarter fighter? A lot of intelligence was played in Dragon Ball uh, in terms of, you know, like who can out, outthink one another. And where DBZ differentiates is that so much of it is, you know, out-and-out out power-based. But also, you know, even if, even if you are outgunned and, you know, you're out... Uh, someone's more someone stronger than you. There is some. There is a lot more intelligence played, where Goku is a wily character and can kind of figure his way out of a situation. But I would say, just to answer your question, to differentiate the fight scenes between Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, it's a lot more. It's a lot more like it was the Raditz fight. You know, it's a lot more down to earth. There's a lot more thinking involved. Um, there's even even the Raditz fight compared to Dragon Ball is, is a lot more hyperkinetic than Dragon Ball typically was. It's basically like you know, Dragon Ball was basically Bruce Lee. In terms of the fighting, there. In fact, we're gonna say later on. At least I will. That there's a lot of like Chinese martial arts uh, influenced in Dragon Ball's beginnings, in my opinion. Hmm. Cool. Um, Daniel continues. For what I remember in the Ocean Dub, when Vegeta transforms to the giant ape, Goku makes the accusation that Vegeta killed his grandfather, and that's it. There's no realization that it was Goku himself that did it. It's just really weird and out of that. It's really weird and out of nowhere that thing that he blames Vegeta for. I wonder if they actually expected the audience to buy that Vegeta came, <laughs> Vegeta came to Earth when Goku was little, turned into a giant ape, and crushed his grandfather, and then left. <laughs> awesome. But I like you guys. But like you guys, I want to make it clear <laughs> that while I poke fun and nitpick at the Ocean Dub, I have nothing but appreciation and respect for what they did. I remember seeing the episodes during their first syndication run back in like '94 or '95, and I know I would not be the fan of the series that I am if it was not for what they did bring it to it over here. This is not the last you will see of the telepathy as a plot device in the series, Jesse. It seems that the ability to talk to people telepathically or read minds just comes randomly to whoever needs it whenever the story needs them to. <laughs> Toriyama. I just finished rewatching the Boo saga recently and randomly and random telepathy is all over the place in later portions of the story. I excuse King Kai though because that part is established as his powers. Everyone else just comes and goes as the story needs it. So that sucks. <laughs> I agree with you guys that while it's still enjoyable, the whole part of the story with Gohan going ape and crushing Vegeta is really unnecessary. Do you think that's perhaps this was added to the manga as padding? Maybe Akira Toriyama needed to spread the story out over a few more chapters before continuing it, or perhaps it was a way to showcase Gohan more and give him a bigger part in the end of the fight. What do you think, man? I could see the trying to kind of bring Gohan into it to the forefront. Particularly when he's the newest character and you're setting up to be so strong. 
he may have may have just, yeah as he said kind of wanted to show him be a more active force in the fight rather than a, a bystander or a casual not a casualty but someone who needs to only be protected when you're when, especially when you're setting him up to be a very strong character who can can save the day if need be yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think that if anything, that that portion of the the, the way that, that the Saiyan saga ended, it made Gohan sort of you know inadvertently the hero. You know, it, Gohan. You know, without Gohan, we don't know how they could have possibly won. Which I like. I like that. Um, yeah, Gohan re- rebounded the 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 Genki Dama or the Spirit Bomb back at Vegeta, but it. I th- I think it brings home the fact that you know Gohan's strength really his strength really was what helped uh kick Vegeta off of Earth. And I think that's really the I was thinking about it and I think that's really the only reason why you can you can have that that portion of him going the great ape. Otherwise again like we said, it's not bad, but you know, you it wasn't wholly necessary aside from the fact that Gohan saved the day. You guys had a really good debate about the end of the fight and the decision to let Vegeta go. I really don't think that I could have disagreed with anything either of you said, but some additional thoughts came to my mind. While it's not really said outright, it seems to me that Goku as a person is just against killing anyone no matter how evil they are. It is something that will come up again, and if I'm remembering Dragon Ball correctly, any deaths he caused in that were not because he intended to kill the person, but just comes outright of the fighting as hard as he can to win. Though my memory is fuzzy on the King Piccolo story, so there may be an exception. It doesn't make the decision any less bad, but it does fit in with his character. I think that beyond his own his own want to fight him again, he just does not want to see someone get killed even if he's a monster. As for Krillin agreeing to do it, considering that they would have all been dead without Goku, it does seem right for him to honor his best friend's request. Letting Vegeta go is still not the smart thing for him to do, but but I'd say it can be considered the right thing to do in some ways. Um, now that is an actually interesting thing that I, I didn't really discuss last time because I remember you brought it up that it wasn't so much Goku didn't want Vegeta to die for moral reasons. It's just that, you know, oh, I'll fight him again, dude. Uh-huh. Yeah, I had I didn't have an issue with the fact he let him. It was kind of let him live. It was the fact that uh, the rationale behind that. Yeah, exactly, and me, and me too. Like I like I said, um, I mean, I really <laughs> I like I, I'm a I'm a big Batman fan in that you know the guy who's always yelled at for not letting the Joker die when he when he could. So I don't have a problem with with heroes uh, abstaining themselves from killing. I mean, just today I watched a, a Doctor Who classic where the Doctor could have committed genocide to save billions of lives, and he didn't because he didn't think it was morally sound. But huh, coming back from coming back to Dragon Ball Z, um, Goku, I will say that like his his morality in terms of killing villains is a big part in the Frieza saga. I'm not gonna say how because Jesse Jesse doesn't want to be spoiled. Do you, Jesse? As though you're not here. No, no, Jesse does not. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't want to ruin things for Jesse. So, um, or you know, anybody who's listening to this fresh, but I will say that you know, in the Fruit Saga specifically, Goku's morality comes back to him, and he faces it like, like right in the eyes. You know, the, the interesting thing though is that in Dragon Ball, he killed all the time. <laughs> I suppose as a child, he was a lot more vicious. Um, he wasn't like Schwarzenegger, where he you know he, he was like you know, um, <laughs> remember like when I promised to kill you last, I lied. He wasn't like that. <laughs> But like, um, for instance, he went up against uh, the guy who killed uh, Krillin, and like, he, he blew him away with the Kamehameha. And it wasn't so much, you know, I'm gonna kill you. It's just that, you know, I'm gonna. Goku never outright says we must kill this character or, or I'll kill you or whatever. 
it's sort of like it just happens, you know. Like he kills King Piccolo, but he's he's not meaning to murder him, or he's, not, he's just meaning to stop him or destroy him, or whatever. And he's the intent him. isn't there, but if it right. happened, he wasn't he wasn't crying over it. Exactly, it, it wasn't like you, n- you never saw Goku's morality. I mean, he was. It really, it really, it really was. If if they die, they die. It, you know, there there was no uh, attention brought to it, but. With the whole Vegeta thing, Krillin, I mean, yeah, Krillin would would be morally, or maybe not morally, but ethically, Krillin would be doing a, a, a justice in that he would put an end to the criminal who came in and, you know, effed up the, the planet. Where Goku, you know, that, that, that's, that, you know, that's not blasting him away, overpowering him in, in a, you know, in a beam struggle and blasting him away. That's, you know, stabbing him through the heart. And it can be argued that Goku doesn't really sit, that doesn't really sit right with Goku. Um, at this point, I mean, again, I'm not sure when his his morals came came into place, but for all intents and purposes, Goku is the kind of character that doesn't. I agree with Daniel. At this point in the series, I can say that Goku is a character who doesn't really condone killing if it's not necessary. It's one of the themes that comes up in the Free Saga. Now that I remember it more, um, in the Vegeta case, that could that could be something that could be considered. Although, I wish he would just said that, <laughs> as opposed to just saying no, I want to fight him again because I really don't like. Him using that reason to to let Vegeta live, but um, you know we'll, we will get into it later. Yeah, I, and I particular I do like that Krillin did uh, take the not the moral necessarily high ground, but he the big picture. When right. when someone's threatening to destroy the Earth, killing him will in the end save the race. You know, and and when it's when there's a chance he's escaping. You know, you compared it to Batman. It is one of those. If if he gets rid of him, he saves lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it also like uh, it 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 shows an example towards characters. Um, you know, to come on their side later on. Um. Yeah, yeah. No, I th- I think that is also an interesting talking point, like the morality, because you know, <laughs> a big thing in Dragon Ball is is constant death. <laughs> so having uh talk discussions about you know whether it's right to kill. For this, for the good of the universe, is certainly you know that's certainly appropriate for this kind of series. Um, and Daniel concludes, something I want to give you guys credit for on the show is not just the great sound clips you throw in from the different versions of the series, but how good the audio quality is on them. To me, at least, they sound really crisp and clear, and they sometimes sound even better than they do on the TV. And thank you for throwing in the different versions of the Goku and Vegeta face-off for comparison. It was a nice touch of the episode. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm looking forward to your coverage of the movies, and I think that's a good setup to take a time out from the regular series coverage to look them over when they more or less tie into or relate the story, and you definitely have my vote for throwing in full commentaries in the future. (laughs) Well, you heard Jesse last time. He wants to do like a (laughs) four-hour marathon. Um, Oh, yes. that's That's all I really have to say this time. Thanks again for reading my email, and thanks again for making a great podcast. Sincerely, Daniel Yarbrough. P.S. I just want to hear Donovan yell Saiyan Science again. Saiyan Science! <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Daniel. It's always a pleasure to hear from you, man. Yeah, and as far as the sound clips go, that's all Donovan. I, I don't hear any of that until it's presented, so those it's fresh to me, and it's always entertaining to, to hear the juxtaposition between the different... Right, because you listen you to uh, the thoughts. subtitles, so like you're hearing them, th- the the dialogue said in English. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, <laughs> don't thank me. Think, think technology. <laughs> now 
where is Gohan? How's it going, Goku? <laughs> huh? Another power beam? Goku, looks like huh? you could use some help. Huh? Piccolo! Piccolo! <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> I didn't come here to help you. I got a score to settle with these three. So, let's get into this thing. Uh, starting off tonight, we will start with the very first Dragon Ball Z movie, Dead Zone. Actually, <laughs> I should probably say the original title of this. The original, released in 1989, uh, on July 15th, the original title for this was Dragon Ball Zeto Ora no Gohan o Kaisei, which translates to Dragon Ball Z Return My Gohan. If there's any Japanese listeners that, that were just offended, <laughs> write in so I won't never do that again. <laughs> oh. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is the very first Dragon Ball Z movie. Very obvious if you actually watch it in terms of like how, where things fall in the timeline. And essentially, uh, just going by the, the plot, basically, Gohan's kidnapped, surprise, <laughs> he's a perpetual Robin, uh, by uh, an evil dictator named Garlic Jr. Garlic Jr. is the son of a warlord who went up against Kami uh, about 50 years ago. And with the Dragon Balls, that's, that's the reason why he kidnapped Gohan, to collect all the Dragon Balls. He uses the Eternal Dragon's wish to grant himself immortality. But wouldn't you know it, Goku shows up saying, hey, give me my son back right now. Um, and uh, Piccolo is a f***ing pimp throughout the entire movie. So uh, that's essentially the plot of this. Gohan's kidnapped. Uh, Garlic Jr. wants to take over the world. And Goku shows up to, to take his son back. And fighting ensues. With that uh, you know, very complex and intricate story analysis, Jesse, what were you thinking about the very first DBZ movie? I enjoyed it. I, I watched both of them back-to-back -back, uh, last night. I did watch the English dubs of them. Okay. Which... Which, um, no, well, let me ask you, because I know, I know we talked about this <laughs> via phone, but um, do you know if you saw the English dubs or the, the ocean dubs or the funny dubs? I have no idea. It was. It was. Uh, I know you. You had said that one was not as good a quality. Uh, the one I watched, I didn't have any issues with. Um, as far as like the performance, I thought it was very well done. Okay. <clears throat> um, I seem to remember. It sounds like the same piccolo that I heard uh, during the tsunami era uh, when I saw some on TV. Okay. But other than that, I'm not sure. Because <laughs> I. When I was when speaking with Don, I was like, "Well, the the first scene showed some some uh, a shoreline with with waves hitting rocks." He's like, "Oh yeah, both versions do that." I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, because it's a movie that they start with like uh, I don't know, I forgot what that is right now, but it's it's basically like like uh, Columbia Pictures or you know like TriStar, it's that kind of thing." I'll I'll get into a little bit on how you can differentiate because there's there is a way you can tell that besides besides hearing the actual characters' voices, but um. 
what were you thinking overall in terms of like okay you've seen the series you've seen several episodes of the series in terms of just presentation how would you think uh dead zone compares like overall like in terms of like how they portray the characters fighting and stuff my thoughts while actually while watching both uh so this is kind of a, a catch-all statement it seemed, and it's probably due to the lack of Saiyans, but it seemed like it may have fit better as a Dragon Ball movie as opposed to Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. Because the fighting did seem a lot more up close, more martial arts, as opposed to uh, beams and blasts, which are in there. But not only that, the settings and even kind of the, the, the tone of the film seemed more fantasy-based as opposed to science fiction. Which I didn't, I didn't mind at all because I, I enjoyed it's, it's a fresh non-Saiyan villain to fight. I got a kick out of the, putting these characters in, even slightly different situations. Even though Go, Goku is Gohan's getting you know captured again, it's still even the the art style uh, differed slightly, and I, I enjoyed that also. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I was going to say, like, I asked you that because I feel this is a very, very like, specifically Dragon Ball, uh, not Dragon Ball, uh edit specifically dead zone which clearly takes place before the events of okay well actually let's, we should probably get into that really quick the continuity of these um, I could, oh yeah i definitely want to talk about it but i was gonna save it until till we're finished kind of synopsizing them but yeah we can, we can go ahead now because that was yeah it didn't confuse me because you know you had kind of mentioned that they're more or less their own continuity and i did actually uh, wikipedia I, I avoided spoilers but i just kind of wanted to see where they fell right and most it seems like the general consensus is kind of a alternate or kind of what if take on some of the where the, where the storyline could have went. Right. It, yeah. It seems that as though um, yeah, a, a lot of times but there were some movies later on that like you, you can you, well every single movie you can you can specifically tell where they're meant to take place in. Like obviously Dead Zone right right up front takes place before the series because Goku is living with his family isn't dead. And, uh, you know, Piccolo, he and Piccolo are very much enemies. In fact, this is, I agree with you in that, like, this, Dead Zone specifically is a Dragon Ball movie. That is, if all the, the way the characters act is, like, because I, I feel that, though, with Dragon Ball Z, there's a lot of character development into how they kind of end up. Dragon Ball, it feels like, or Dead Zone, it feels like Dragon Ball to me. Just in terms of, like, uh, obviously how Piccolo is perceived. Yeah, this is definitely the most antagonistic i've seen him portrayed and he still he still fights with goku in it but he he comes off very like a very ne- a very um evil and very and uh, antagonistic towards goku right that and um kami's kami who has a very pretty meaty part in this in this uh, movie um is in there you said you have like a lot more martial arts you have um goku I, I, we should probably just get into get into a little bit of the details and kind of go along as opposed to just kind of hitting it all up right now otherwise this will be awkward um uh just to start off with, i'm start off with the beginning how did you think uh well <laughs> i don't know about you but the, the beginning of, the, of dead zone makes me laugh because like you said you, you start off with like like the ocean tides hitting the rocks or whatever it's very calm it's very moving then out of nowhere you see piccolo scream at the top of his lungs <laughs> yeah it was a it was a very abrupt beginning i was like what, did i come in in the middle <laughs> Piccolo's screaming like there's rocks everywhere. He's he's kind of in the air. I'm like, uh, okay, you're kind of thrown in the mix. Well, I thought it was a well done intro. It was just it's jarring if you're not expecting, I guess. But I know. Well, I love the fact that his face is right up in the front of the camera. Like, yeah, like, like ah! Oh, man. 
And, um, and um, th- he blows up pyramids by screaming somehow. It says, ah, Goku, you're screwed now. <laughs> um, although I do like, I like the opening in that, um, you know, it seems that Piccolo's killed right up front. Like, you know, if Piccolo's down, you know, these guys must be bad news. But I like that, you know, Kami's thinking, Piccolo's dead. Did Goku kill him? No, impossible. But obviously, since Kami's still alive, you know Piccolo's not dead. Um, really obviously, in fact, but it is, I think, I think it starts off very, very well and very dramatic in that it's a mystery. Um, in a po- as opposed to the Raditz thing where it was a mystery, but it wasn't as done dramatically. And that's another thing I, that I really like about Dead Zone is that it has a lot of really good, uh, direction. Um, I'll get to that a little bit later, but, um, yes, yeah, it starts off pretty, pretty intensely. And I really like how it continues because we get to, uh, see more of, like, I won't say more of, but we get to see uh, Chi-Chi, and she she almost fights. No, I actually, um, I, did th- I did enjoy that this movie allowed some of the characters who hadn't had a chance to shine in Dragon Ball Z yeah. kind of take up to the front, even Chi-Chi. Like, all, all my previous knowledge of Chi-Chi has been the doting, overbearing mother. Right. And she still is very much involved in her son's studies and nothing else. Uh, her almost fighting and taking up to him was it showed that she cares and that she's she's not she, there's more to her than what's been presented yeah when she almost fights i was like when i think there's a line when she tells gohan gohan run i go, get away and it was like okay that that i didn't love the delivery of the line it yes. was very well done and you you see that she's going to do whatever she has to do to protect her son yeah, she's 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 like a mama bear there, and it's and it's like I love because Goku's not there. She's not like oh no, she doesn't you know signal her I don't know Sonic watch or whatever and call for yeah. Goku. <laughs> like she's like get in the house, boy, and like she she takes off her apron and like gets in a martial arts pose. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. I mean, she doesn't do anything because she's knocked out rather immediately, but I the love intention that- was there. It, it was still a pretty ba moment on her part, even though she didn't have a chance to to whoop up on anybody. Yeah, like you have these really strong monster-looking guys in hoods. And like she, she doesn't even care. She, she just like like is ready to throw down no matter what. And I really, really love that that scene. Um, I, I also like Goku because I like Go- the fact that when she's, when when you notice when she hits the second she hits the ground with her face, <laughs> Goku immediately like like stops and senses that something's wrong. I like that that bit of that. I like that touch. He 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 stops fishing naked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't like like fish with a rod. He like fishes naked like like as though he wrestles with him. Like that was that was a random scene. I'm I'm like in the movie watching, and he like jumps up out of the lake holding the fish. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, oh, that, that's how that's how Goku would fish. Okay. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that uh, in the very first chapter slash episode of Dragon Ball, uh, when he when Goku was a kid and had a tail, he would use his tail. He would like 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 strip down and like use his tail as like a bait to to bring in fish and then like wrestle bigger fish. So, but, but you know, what's also cool is that like. Again, back to the like, really cool direction. Um, they keep on cutting back to like because you see Gohan running, he's like, "Oh, mom, mom!" And then you see Goku like rushing, and he, he's, he's like running on the highway, and like there's like smoke behind him to show how how fast he's running. And they keep on cutting back to like, and then Chi's like, "Oh, run, Gohan!" Like very you know, kind of over dramatic. But I, I like that they they sell the threat like right now, like you know, because as, if you hadn't seen the Dragon Ball Z series. You know the concept of you don't know what these guys are going to do. It's like, oh, what are these guys going to do uh, to Gohan or whatever, and where are they from? I think that that first scene really sells it very well. Yeah, I just knew from that scene 
on, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig this movie. I'm gonna like it. The, the enemies presented, they were, like you said, they were presented in a very w- good way to mm-hmm. kind of bring the threat and sell it. Right. They're very like uh, foreboding, and, and I like, I like it when um, a Nikki, the blue guy with the uh, gray hair, comes out. He comes out of the house. You know, go on and go cheat her outside, and like. He, Gohan runs back in, but the guy comes out before him, like from the shadows. That's really creepy. It had a, it had a almost. It's gonna be an odd comparison. It almost had a end of the dragon kind of feel of the lone woman. You know, she thinks mm-hmm. she's caught. She turns around. There's another one. You know, it's like oh, like an ambush. It's like this isn't gonna end well. <laughs> oh yeah, de- yeah. That's that's only one of our many Bruce Lee references in this movie. Yeah. But um, and you know this this is kind of where we get into the uh, continuity because. The, the whole theme of uh, Gohan getting kidnapped, obviously, is from, writing from the whole Raditz thing. And these movies do kind of take certain elements from the series to in, input them there. So if you want to play like some sort of like, like drinking game work, you know, which, which is from the series, steal that from right, 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 from, um, right from that scene. Um, this, is, this is the one thing that I know you can, you can differentiate the funny dub from the ocean dub. I remember when I first saw this movie, it was right at, like when I first got into Dragon Ball Z, and you know the series was airing. I had no idea that there were movies, and I, I was at a friend's house, and he's showing this movie. He had the uncut version, and at the time it was the ocean dub. Funny, Funimation hadn't dubbed it yet, and um, when the people come al- come around and Chi-Chi's like hiding or Gohan's hiding behind Chi-Chi, Chi-Chi takes one look at these guys and she says, "Who the hell are you?" And it, I, she probably didn't say that in your version, did she? I don't believe so. Because it seems like I would have noticed that. I definitely had paid attention to it. Yeah, that I, I remember definitely when I when I, when I was like, as a kid, you know, I'm watching this on Toonami, then I seen it on a video, and the characters swear. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> um, like, that's different. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's that's pretty much the big. Uh, that's one of two big factors in um, which how you can tell uh, which which company dubbed which, because I mean, I, as I said before, the ocean dub. Before there was Kai, the ocean dubs of the first three movies were really, really close to the original source material. Pretty much, like almost an exact translation of the tone and just the the overall atmosphere that the movies had. The second big clue, <laughs> and uh, this is gonna—I mean, the scene where Gohan takes uh, an apple and essentially gets drunk off of it, <laughs> which is odd. Uh, First of all, I'd love to know your I thoughts. I think he was that. full-on hallucinating, man. Dancing dinosaurs. <laughs> I want to know what was in that apple. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> um, now, <laughs> what, what were you thinking about that when, when Gohan's like, like uh, ugh, and starts seeing things? Like, you were like, were you WTFing or what? <laughs> oh, very very much. <laughs> I was, I was like, going along with it. It's like, okay, this is... Visually, it's like yeah, you got dinosaurs, you got yes. all kind of other random animals, right? <laughs> it's like a menagerie of delusional bliss on his part. <laughs> but because uh, as soon as as soon as the guy's like, ah, I don't eat that, it's you start to see things. So I was like, ah, I didn't really expect them to go that far with it. Mm-hmm. It's like wow, wow, this is odd. It, it honestly, it didn't take me out of the movie though. Amazingly enough, it didn't. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this Dragon Ball Z, there's weird crap all over the place, but uh, that's that's good because I, I was worried it might. No, yeah, it didn't, uh, and it may have something to do with the, I guess, the more fantastical tone of the film as opposed to uh, 
the more science fiction feelings you know the show could kind of have but yeah, i i was i was kind of into it i'm like, okay this is odd but going going with it you're right you're rolling with it um now when when that scene came up was it in, was there a was there a japanese child singing in the background <laughs> No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, because uh, and th- th- that may that may have broke me if it. If it <laughs> this comes in again because even in the ocean dub when it was English, both in Dead Zone and World's Strongest there are Gohan musicals, for for one reason or another. Uh, let me bring this up real quick. This is I, f- I find this this could be worth something. Um, yeah, in this movie when Gohan takes a bite of the apple and acts as though he's 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 drunk off his gourd. Um, I don't know why. Basically, he's, he is an apple that's not for children, even though those kind of things don't exist. But uh, <laughs> he, he, he he comes into... In the original version, he goes into singing, or he doesn't sing himself, but the voice actor... The voice actress, I should say, because the the original actress in Japan who voiced Goku, Gohan, and later Goten was... Uh, they were all voiced by a woman named Masako no- Nozawa, um, who's, still, who's still working to this day. But... Uh, Basically, during that whole sequence where Gohan's running around hallucinating giant dinosaurs dancing or whatever, uh, there's a song comes up that is called "The World's Greatest Gohan," <laughs> where this is this is very anime, <laughs> um, or Tenkaichi Gohan, um, where he basically sings about feeling really good. <laughs> and rest, rest assured, because again, I mean, this was in the ocean dub, so I I was always aware of this. In fact, when I saw the funny dub for for recording this, I was. I was devastated that it wasn't there. It's like, oh, come on. You left out the drunk song? Yeah, no, no. There's, there's a song that plays in the background called The World's Greatest Gohan, where Gohan just sings about flying dinosaurs being eaten by... Or no, flying octopuses being eaten by a dinosaur and feeling really good. And uh, the lyric ends saying, I'm the world's happiest person. I'm the world's greatest genius. And you cut... End scene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> If I find that, I'll, I'll definitely troll you on Facebook and give it to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and oh yeah, and you listeners aren't safe either because I'll be, I'll be playing this. Author, I'll be playing that song, uh, and the next one in this episode. Um, <laughs> I gotta say, I mean, actually, I watched this movie about maybe three days ago, and that song's been stuck in my head ever since. So maybe it isn't very funny. <laughs> like literally, it's, it's it's been stuck in my head, but uh. I do think that the sequence is kind of cute because it does show Gohan as, you know, sort of like a, a child at that point. He's not a fighter yet. And I do kind of like, I, I, I kind of like his carefree attitude, even though he's, you know, inebriated. I don't know. It, it, it was it was silly, but it, it was it was it's very, very Japanese and very silly and very, you know, like different. You know, you wouldn't see that in a, in a Western cartoon, but I did I did like it for what it was. What is, I'm looking through my notes here. Funny dub is weak sauce. Uh <laughs> In my opinion, I think because the ocean dub was so close to the original source material that the funny dub, in comparison, was kind of weak. I mean, I, I still like it overall as a company in terms of which one did DBZ better. But I think that for these first two movies, I wish that it was—I don't know—was taken a bit more seriously. It kind of seemed that they just, they just added in voices and redid the dialogue, and that was it. They wasn't really trying to c- translate the story, in my opinion. Although. What was it like hearing the English? I mean, did you did you feel a different tone with the English voices from the Japanese voices? <clears throat> um, it was a little odd after you know watching so many of the episodes in Japanese, mm-hmm. but it didn't 
the, the, the acting didn't distract me from the story, and I, I still felt like I kind of got a tone on what it was, the, the kind of approach they were attempting to go for. So right. it, yeah, it really didn't. It really didn't take me out of the story, and all I, think, I thought all of the actors did a decent enough job conveying the character. There was there were no no voices that I said that that just doesn't sound right. I mean, I don't want to say that it was out and out bad, but it just felt like, in my opinion, I, I wish I had the the ocean dub because I gotta say, <laughs> the internet fa- the internet fairy took a holiday this week because I could not find the ocean dub anywhere online. I found some clips, but I couldn't find the actual movie, so I, I was. I was doomed to watch the same version that you did, <laughs> which I mean, again, I don't, I don't want to say. First of all, you know, support your local anime and buy it. <laughs> don't tour it like me. But uh, secondly, I, I do want to say, you know, I, it's just a matter of preference. It wasn't so much they sucked. It was just that for I was nostalgic for what I liked as a kid. Now, what did you think about Goku in this movie? How are you? Th- how are you thinking that he? How he was? You know, this is this is like pre Saiyan talking and all that. Uh, he was portrayed f- fairly competently. I mean, granted, he's gonna, he's gonna, he wants, to, wants his son, so he's not, not gonna have a lot of time to be gullible or kind of aloof with certain things. I mean, when when he gets to Garlic Junior's palace, he's like, Goku, where or Gohan, where is he? It's, yeah. It's pretty much it's on from then. Yeah, definitely. He's he is a real badass in this movie. I think. Um, I think everybody is pretty much. Even, even Kami. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, you're actually yeah. You're, like every, everybody's like. Up to eleven in this movie, and like Goku specifically, I think, yeah, like you said, he's he's not he's he's not playing around. He really like you know like where's Gohan and just like beats everybody up. And I love, <laughs> I love, I just I just love it when like they're getting ready to fight, and he's just bring it on. And then like um, basically beats the crap out of him before before you know before the other shows up. And he he has this look on his face that shows that he's not playing around. And it's just it's it's sort of different from. I don't know. In the in the Raditz saga, when he was fighting with Piccolo, it, it, it felt like it, it feels like he's more focused here. I suppose I mean, probably because he knows less about Raditz, or there's there's less things to introduce in the terms of the story. But here, all he, all he cares about is Gohan to the point where he just comes off as a real, you know, real tough. <laughs> in my opinion, at least. Although I, I will say, did, were, were you kind of thrown off by the fact that he had like a a, a staff tied to him? Uh, I had I had seen images and kind of. Certain media with him with a staff. I knew he he had used one, but it was. I thought it was interesting to see him use a weapon. I enjoyed it. He, you know, like I say, going back to the more martial arts approach, even if it is like a magical staff, I still uh, I dug it. It did take some getting used to though. Yeah, that actually is something that um he had. He that's sort of like an iconic thing from Goku when he was a kid. He had his grandfather's uh. Magic. Let me see if I can get the, the Japanese name. Uh, Neo Boy, I think it is called in Japan. Um, it was translated in, in the Ocean Dub as the Power Pole, which is a lot easier to say uh, because it, it, you know, upon upon a, you know uh, incantation or whatever, it can just grow to like 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 several miles long. I really liked how he used it in this movie, where he just like kind of stuck the guy in, in between the, that and the wall. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's why that's another reason why this movie feels so Dragon Ball to me because he he specifically has that weapon. Uh, he kind of abandoned it uh, uh, for the last saga of Dragon Ball, and we never seen it, seen it again. But I do like you know that's that's another example of him fighting here, and more on his fighting. We we talked about earlier how these movies have more of like a toned down martial arts feel. Goku here feels like a, like a healthy mix of of a little Bruce Lee and a lot of Jackie Chan. 
specifically when he's fighting um what are the what are the dudes names uh ginger and nikki i think it is uh there's a moment where he's just like kind of freaks out because they pull swords from their bodies which was kind of gross. <laughs> it, was, it was it was kind of awesome but it was kind of gross um and he's just start, he's like Ugh! and he starts like just dodging and which I, I really liked i thought that there was a lot of like there's kind of humor but it was also just just fun to watch him kind of do that what were you thinking about it oh the same thing i was like uh, for one i'm like Ugh. <laughs> but yeah to see even to see him more on the defensive was cool and yeah. it's it's and it's he's obviously fast and faster than any average person could be but it's not it's not presented as like astronomically fast you you see more of the actual individual movements and the dodging which is always cool yeah you can keep up i, I mean i watched that scene where he was dodging i, I slowed it down so i could see like how, what he was doing and it was really really cool he was doing some some sort of like a I know he, he like bent over, then they kind of flipped over, or whatever. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, too bad his haircut didn't stay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been wild. Now, if there's one thing I take away from this movie, and I I, I think you might agree, you we're talking about how all these characters were badass. In this movie, Piccolo is amazing. <laughs> He's so awesome. I, I just like he. This is like some, some of the, the best Piccolo bits we've ever seen in the series. Just like I mean, I, I, I really I, I like from the moment he shows. And he has a very, he has a badass intro. Where first it's funny because we, we see Krillin in a very dramatic intro for some reason. <laughs> remember, do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. It's it's like it's um like like there's like you know there's like a silhouette of his head and like oh hi Krillin and then like three seconds later you you have Piccolo come in there and this is the awesome thing about that's why I beg you to watch the Japanese version because like. <laughs> In the ocean dub, in the Japanese version, Piccolo has a theme song, and it's not so much people singing, you know, like like Gohan when he's drunk, but like it's just, it's this tune that is very very it, it's it's like a it's like a you know a sinister villain's theme song, but it's very very iconic. And when he walks in there, and like the theme song is ramped up, and like everybody's like Piccolo, it's I I find it really awesome. And then from then on, he just goes to town and just like wrecks these guys' asses. Um, what, what, what were you thinking about how he did here, especially when that fight with him and um, Sancho? I love the line he had, which that was another thing. He was he was portrayed as completely badass in this, and the voice actor did a good job of of presenting that in his in his you know intonation of or intonations of his voice. Mm-hmm. When he blasts the guy into the pillar, and he said, I think he said something along the lines of, "I see you're not aren't so tough one on one," and then just kind of like walks off. I'm like, yes. Oh, okay, you know it's it, that's exactly the line he's had on the ocean dub. So maybe you had like uh, were you watching? It was, it was something similar. Yeah, no, like all oh, the three of you are easy to beat one on one. Yeah, something like that? like that. Okay, because that sounds like um, it that that sounds like like the original ocean dub version, which which was awesome. <laughs> yeah, he had he had that like really like I don't want to say ra- kind of a raspy voice, but really like low, and I just love um. Yeah, it's very well, not monotone, but he's very. Stoic and it's a fairly deep voice. Right. Yeah. He comes. He comes off as extremely calm and very subtly cocky, but he he had that under undertone of yeah I'm a badass and I'm gonna kill everybody here. Yeah, it's just I love again like like I think the, again back to the direction. The direction is really really like I don't know like I love I love when the guy starts uh, when Krillin goes to get Gohan. And the guy comes up and like you know he's oh you're mine, and I like I like Krillin because he's he's not, he's not intimidated he's ready to fight the guy, but the the floor comes up and he just like kind of falls down and Piccolo's just standing there not even looking at him, 
saying, you're going to pay for what you did to me. In a very, very low voice. And then we cut to him being thrown through a wall. <laughs> uh, I, the, every, everything Pillow does here is awesome, especially that fight. I, I, I'm begging our listeners who have not seen Dead Zone to, to see the fight scene between him and Sancho, where the guy does everything he can against him, and Piccolo just like destroys him easily. It was, it was great. Yeah, I also thought Colin had a good showing. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I liked that he, him, his arrival was, was needed. Just like Piccolo's was needed because uh, Goku and he are at a closer power level. Relatively, right. So it's, it's not so much like, like at the end of the Sans Hour, well, we're going to be useless, so we're going to go. Right. He's, a, he's a legitimate addition to the, the, the team, basically. Yeah, yeah, he, he's kind of, I gotta say, in the movies, Krillin pretty much routinely has, is kind of a butt monkey, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, uh, he, has, he has a much more better showing in the series, but in here, yeah, he was, he was like an, another fighter for the cause, and um, he, he didn't stay on, he didn't stay and do nothing like he did in the Reddit saga, <laughs> so, <laughs> so here he was pretty fun, although it's, you, you gotta facepalm when like the thing hits his head and he just drops Gohan, so he gets buried by a bunch of boulders. Later on, um, I think it's when I forgot what happened. I think Rad, I think Garlic Jr. just starts destroying the uh, the the arena or whatever. But um, yeah, that does I'll, actually bring up you, that reminds me. It brings up a question regarding <coughs> continuity. He right. he knows Gohan in this. Yeah, that's a very big. That's a that's a pretty big uh, plot or continuity flub that makes it hard to connect this series, which is why you really can't. Because he 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 doesn't he doesn't say. What do you mean you have a son? He's like, okay, I'll get Gohan, the child who I've known for years. No, it's yeah, it's it's like he knows who Gohan is, where in the because if it wasn't for that, you could fit this right before the um the uh, the Raditz saga. Even even when Gohan shows his power against Raditz, it would make more sense because he's done it before. But um, yeah, that's that's like the one indicator that I mean, if you if you take that line out, it could fit in the, in the series, and it could if you want to. But like, that's that's a, that's definitely a contradiction. Um, now we're talking about, you know, all these characters, you know, showing off what they got. What were you thinking about Kami here? Because this is the most we've gotten from Kami in the series. I would, I would think. Yeah, he definitely. Not only is it the most screen time, it shows you more that he, you know, once upon a time, it kind of hints that he was a fighter or that he was, you know, he says he's a protector of Earth. It shows you him doing that, doing his job. And he's not just kind of the frail old... Uh, Yoda type of character, <laughs> particularly when he's gonna he's, when he's willing to sacrifice himself. I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome on him. He he grabs Gar like kind of like bear hugs him and and tells him the world's gonna be safe. Yeah, that's something that I, I gotta say because uh, he did. Kami doesn't really fight even in Dragon Ball at the end when he uh, technically fought. Um, he basically uh, took the took the form of a human, and we didn't know it was Kami until a little bit later on. Although Goku figured it out. You don't really see him get into the battle much, and um, although it was kind of cool to see him done here, um, he got he kind of got his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, he did, but <laughs> but I, I, I it was fun to see him try. It was fun to see like the determination on his face, and I do like that scene where he's about to pull a Chaozu and uh, take Garlic Junior out. Um, Is he gonna blow up into pink smoke? <laughs> well, <laughs> hopefully green smoke because green's easier on the eyes than pink. <laughs> Um, and I think that will lead into what Garlic Jr., the big bad of this this the this story. What were you thinking? <laughs> big bad. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> he's shorter than Krillin. So. 
I actually uh, liked him. I when I saw Garlic Jr., I remember that I think I had seen this film on Toonami at okay. some point because he he did ring a bell. I had seen I guess I'd seen some at least some of it. I like that he was it was kind of vague in explaining is this guy an alien? Is he a demon? What well, it, it it didn't really elaborate onto that, which I was cool with, and I I. I love the little bit of backstory he was given with Kami, and the mm-hmm. his hideout I really liked. The, um, I guess the floating dungeon yeah. castle area. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like some, yeah, sometimes it's like a worn down castle. And that, to me, that kind of uh, seems like a more traditional, uh, almost mytho- mythical Japanese type of place so it kind of it kind of plays into the the history he'd have kami as it was uh 300 years or something when he fought his dad in the past i think it was 50 years i think okay i mean i mean it could be 300 in the past somewhere i I particularly really dug the scene where uh, the dragon comes shenlong is his name correct yeah oh well that that's that's uh Shenlong Shenron is it's it's a it's a loss in translation thing because L's and R's in Japan and in Asia are literally like kind of interchangeable. Like he could either be called Shenlong and here it's translated to Shenron, or he could be Shenron back there and like it's I think because again, there's a lot of Chinese influence in, in Dragon Ball, I think it's Shenlong. And I tend to say Shenlong, so I think if you were to say Shenlong it'd be correct, in my opinion. But uh, Okay. Uh, or, or, or visually I love the scene where he appears and they have a long shot of him looping through the clouds, um, looping yeah. like around the castle, because it shows you how, I mean, he's impossibly long, and it's clearly like a mythological beast at that point. You know, I, I, I forgot about that, but you're right. Like, like, it's not so much, he comes from the Dragon Balls, and where he usually kind of like spirals down to the Dragon Balls, but he's like all over, like in the sky, and or I think it was this. I think it was this guy. Goku was flying towards it. He could see it from there, like miles away. Yeah, that that to me, like, if I could have a poster of that, that would be awesome. Yeah, he, I agree. he's he's looping around, and his head is looking at Garlic Jr. And which I thought it was interesting because the the Dragon Balls, which are so sought after, typically in the show, is just okay. We have them all. We're gonna wish. It's like, oh, oh wow, okay. That was that was simple almost. It kind of. It almost underplayed their importance to get to get what to get a means to an end, basically. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking because uh, with with garlic, um, I saw a bit of uh, Emperor Pilaf with him. Emperor Pilaf was the first; he was like the first major villain of Dragon Ball, and he was actually kind of like he's actually the only recurring villain. I mean, he never died. He was actually kind of a goofball. Uh, he was like um, how do I say this? I don't know, like the, the Dick Dastardly of Dragon Ball. <laughs> Where he would be trying to get the Dragon Balls and like you know take over the world, but he was never serious. He would never kill anybody, even even if he tried, he would fail comically. And um, <laughs> Garlic kind of reminded me of him because they have kind of a similar outline, where they're kind of they're kind of, they're kind of midgets and like they have the pointy ears. You don't know whether if they're demons or aliens or whatever. But uh, Garlic's completely serious. In fact, Garlic's Garlic's actually really insane. He had a lot of really villainous lines. Like he said something like, "I will drench." What is? What, I actually wrote it down. Um, after after he becomes immortal, he says he would drench the world with blood, which was really nasty. <laughs> uh, but no, I I agree that, that like 
the dragon was down here. I, again, I think that this has a really well done, both movies have really cool direction. And to me, because I'm a fan of, uh, <laughs> I'm a fan of uh, martial arts movies myself. Um, it sounds like you are too, because you named out to Enter the Dragon, which I love. Yes. <laughs> okay. We are fans of, uh, of Bruce Lee classics. And to me, this feels like a, Bru- a, Bruce- a lost Bruce Lee movie, you know, animated and with Dragon Balls. Um, there was there was so much martial arts here, and there was so much, just just the feel of the movie, when um, Kami is sort of like giving his ultimatum, and like he rests his head on Garlic's midget shoulders, or <laughs> very small shoulders, and like that it's very very like you know those are enemies, but it's almost very intimate the way he does that, which I think is a difference between sort of like uh, that, that's again another thing I don't think you would see in, in Western animation just like the hero say, no because no. it's almost showing a small amount of respect to your enemy mm-hmm. and also kind of he's set in his decision to sacrifice himself at that point right it's, it's, a, it's a really good scene as, as, as short as it is I think um, I, I, I like the animation where the, the electricity starts going around. Then Garlic says, "Well, well, you'll die, but I won't, huh?" Yeah. <laughs> um, which, which I think leads into like like the cool, one of the coolest third acts in, in the DBZ movies ever. Because I love when uh, he says, "Okay, Goku, Piccolo, uh, I'll kill you now," and he trans. <laughs> what were you thinking when he bugged out into that gigantic blue guy? I was like, oh, "Okay, now it's a little more intimidating." <laughs> oh well, a, a lot more intimidating. Um, <laughs> It was funny because I think I, I love <laughs> I love Pickle's face. He's like oh, he's a great old sh- face, but uh, to me, kind of reminded me of Venom, a little bit. And I don't want to. I'm not just trying to make a Spider-Man plug, but uh, I don't know. Like like just probably just by his color and by his size and all of his muscles and everything. Um, I really liked it when Piccolo was going at him, because as cool as Piccolo was, Garlic Jr. You know was obviously. A bit cooler because he wasn't hurt, and I really liked. This is something I found a little bit cartoony, where he grabs both Piccolo and Goku's head, runs out of the building, which apparently is like you know like a mile in the sky. They fall all the way down into a crater, and then Piccolo and Goku just like hop back out. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't like illogical, but it just kind of looked funny. Like like that didn't. Yeah. The the uh, the. Um the presentation of how it was done was kind of like, eh, oh, okay. Uh, oh, this guy's strong. It's not, yeah. it's not, holy crap, oh, we hurt so much. It's like, oh, this guy's strong. And say, so, um, we're back. Right, exactly. And there's, and then there's, there's another, like, uh, reference to the series where Goku and Piccolo take off their weighted clothing. Um, which I, which, which I really like when, I really liked when Piccolo said, or Goku says, ha, I can't believe we're fighting on the same side. This will never happen before or again. And yeah. <laughs> And Piccolo's like, oh, don't get too happy. The second this is over, you're dead. Huh? Let's go! <laughs> um, I, thought, I found that really cool. What, what did you think about it when um, they thought they beat him and Piccolo immediately wanted to start fighting Goku yeah, again? Yeah, yeah. I like that. That showed that he he's obviously at a more... Uh, or a a lesser place in his redemption. Because, he yeah, he just... He, all, right, all right, let's go. You know, as, as soon as Garlic's buried... <laughs> and it's he wants to go after he wants to basically rematch Goku, mm-hmm. and Goku's like okay you know both these guys are like beat down probably in a lot of pain and just man eh, let's go at it again come on. Well, I guess I have no choice. <laughs> I I I really liked it when um 
the dead zone starts coming up and like they're fighting and then like for like one second and then like they both fall like another mile because like they're on top of a bridge or something that was a nice animation gag although i will say um i don't know about you and i don't really have a problem with this but the dead zone that garlic jr decides to pop out and suck up everyone with is like as a like, wait he can do that again really <laughs> it's like at what point was this was this uh established but whatever well that and i kind of thought okay this is his backup plan you couldn't have popped that one out like earlier yeah it's, it's like i don't know i mean like they don't really they don't really see they're nowhere near as bad as they were in the, in the at the end of the saiyan soccer where they're all bloody and broken i mean they're fine they're their pride wounded a little bit but you know they're they're all fine and then like it's like okay there's nothing else left to do i must destroy the world by sucking it into a vortex forever which i can pull out of my back pocket next to my wallet <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, I mean, again, I really don't have a problem with it, but it is something that when you look at it from for taking notes, it's like, wait, what? I really thought that the way it ended with Gohan, you know, you know, rage out, raging out again, I thought that was really awesome. I did too. A small part of me said, okay, we're gonna go this way again, but if you if you divorce it from the series, it, I think it works a lot easier. Or try to not think of it in relation to the series. Mm-hmm. Because you know we had we have seen something similar uh, like twice now you know, but it, it was pretty awesome. Like I like, I like garlic line. How are you just standing there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, every, even even he is like kind of against the the gravity the gravitational pull is kind of like you know ho- barely holding his own own and here Gohan is just standing there staring at him, not breaking a sweat. Yeah, I I think that's really cool because at no point, well, there was an earlier re- remark about with Garlic where Gohan was drunk and Garlic was looking at him like, yes, there's more to this child than I thought. He has great power within him, and Gohan's like just like laughing, you know, with, with like looking blushed and hicc- hiccuping and everything. I don't know why <laughs> that happened, but um, it's, it's I I thought it was really cool in that like his eyes were all white this time. Yeah. Before before it was just like he was just kind of like like looking really intense and kind of like like grimacing and raditz but here his the, the the kid's eyes are white he's like you know he's like gr- like gritting his teeth he's like grr <laughs> and um i don't know it was really really i mean okay it's a it's a for lack of a better phrase rip off of the the actual character on story but in terms of presentation it was really cool yeah i thought yeah like, yeah exact same thing i thought you know th- that plot device has been used before but i it then again, it was very well presented. So, exactly. Um, <laughs> I just like the scene because you see, like after a while, you know, Goku's falling in, Piccolo's falling in, Kami's falling in, Krillin's falling in, and then you just see like Gohan's face, like scream, "Daddy!" And then like after that, he beats Garlic, and Garlic loses, and he's laughing. I can never die. I can never die. Ha 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 ha! Not knowing that it'll <laughs> suck. I say that's that's not good for any situation, man. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Uh, Which, as soon as that plot point of him being immortal was introduced, I'm like, yeah, you're going to get screwed on that one, dude. It's not yeah. going to work out for you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, he's another villain who... Well, I shouldn't say another villain, but he's like one of the many villains in Dragon Ball Z who thinks, okay, there's Dragon Ball Z. The only thing I want is immortality, because there's no way this can never be bad. And then at the very end, we see him like, you know, trying to get his way out of the dead zone, because it's, hey, it's bad. Um, he, got, he got General Zodded. Yeah, he he yeah he did, and, and like the little like like window of a yeah. fandom. Ah! <laughs> Curse you, son of a Jor-El. I mean Bardock. And I like that he's uh, he's 
reverted back to his old form, but he's still like shirtless. And he yeah. Kind of withered. <laughs> that was a nice touch. Yeah. He, he's like, he's not laughing anymore. He's like, get me out of here. So yeah, I thought uh, overall, I really thought that this was like, it was actually it was a lot shorter than I remember. But overall, I thought it was a very, very well done story. The story is kind of basic, you know, the guy wants to rule the world and become immortal or whatever. But in how simple it was, I thought it was really cool. Just how, again, how, how it was, how it was uh, directed. I don't know who the... Actually, let me see if I can find the director because I'm on the wiki page right now. Uh, Daisuke Nishio. I thought he did an excellent job. <laughs> this guy that I just learned of. Um, and overall, I, this is actually one of my... Easily one of my favorite DBZ movies in ter- or parts of the series. What about you? Yeah, I like I enjoyed it. Uh, I it flew by as right. far as the running length of it, and it seemed like they didn't waste a whole lot of time in preamble or you know, kind of setting up the plot. Goku gets there, he starts you know just whooping butt, and then you know after that you get Krillin and Piccolo show up to assist. And their awesome <laughs> interests. <laughs> as, as fun as Piccolo's was, or Krillin's was, Piccolo, uh, he's so cold. He's so thugged out in this movie. Man, oh, I love it. <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, I really I really think this is, like, one of the... I'm, I'm happy, as, as for a first movie of, this, of DBZ, because Dragon Ball itself had three movies, but uh, instead of, like, singular adventures, they were, they were kind of, like, retellings about certain parts in the series, like... Uh, I know the first movie was a retelling of how Goku met Bulma and Yamcha and everybody. The second movie, I think, it was a retelling of Goku and Go- uh, Goku and Krillin's training. And the third movie, I think, is a, re- a retelling of how the pe- how the gang meets Tien and Chaozu. Um And I'm not I've I've seen the first two. I've not seen the third one as of this recording. But uh, comparatively, this is a re- I think I like this idea of uh, you know one and done stories uh, to the to the to the you know the ongoing serial uh, saga of Dragon Ball Z. And um, if you have any final words, uh, please bring them ahead because I think we're good here, leaving it right where it is. Um, no, no. Yeah, like I said, it was a very good first introduction to the movies. Mm-hmm. And I was going in, I was a little worried about how well they'd managed the time, like the length of the film. But once I, I said, once I saw it, it was it was well, very well done. So. Yeah, and I, and I will say, in my personal opinion, I don't think the movies. There are thirteen movies all on in Dragon Ball Z throughout the series, and um, they're not all as good as this. If I, I think I think they're more, they're more. Uh, most of them don't don't reach this quality. Although you know, some do, some don't. But I think this is one of the ones that they're right up there at the very, very, very top. And with that ominous foreshadowing, <laughs> we'll cover uh, World Strongest right up next. After messages from this podcast. So After your sponsors. After your sponsors, exactly. <laughs> the dawn of an age. The founding of a family. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've got to take that chance. Conditions are right tonight. Let's go. They're penetrating the ship. Our shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning up. Too heavy. Can't. We're all alive. I feel so strange. You're fading away. I can't see you at all anymore. Look what's happened to you. You are changing. Oh, Reed, not you too. What happened to me? To all of us? I can fly. We gotta use that power to help mankind. 
right, and so was born the Fantastic Four. For soon the Mole Man will have the entire world in his power! I am the mightiest living mortal on Earth, and half mankind shall feel that might. The Fantastic Four. With a debate dream, they're the palms in the hands of Dr. Pym. The Human Torch will be the Puppet Master's next victim. You bastards can't change the way I can. I've been expecting you, for I am the thinker. I vow never to return, my lord, until the Fantastic Four are no more, and the Phantom is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Ralatons, King of Kings, Master of Men, and Lord of the Seven Sons. Fool, you're just a muscular freak, blind or hawk. Stop! You must not enter the castle of Diablo. My journey has ended. This planet shall sustain him to the drain of all elemental life. So speak, Galactus. Flame on! It's clobbering time! The Fantastic Four from the very beginning witnessed the origins of a legend. The Fantasticast. ffcast.libsyn.com So they took both Master Roshi and Bulma with them? Yeah. Well, don't worry. Master Roshi is a master of the martial arts, remember? He can take care of himself. You know, he won the World Martial Arts Tournament. They should be alright, but where do you think they took them, Oolong? Well, I think they've taken them to the Zumaizubri Mountains. So you were hanging around Piccolo again, huh? Didn't I tell you I don't like him? But, Mom, I was... I don't have time for all this talking. I'm gonna go get them. I'm coming too! No, you don't! Those mountains are no place for you! Aw, Mom! You're staying right here! Flying Nimbus! <laughs> I'll see you later! Now you be careful out there, Goku! Yes, dear! And we are back! And getting ready to cover the next Dragon Ball Z movie, number two, The World's Strongest, aka. <gasps> Dragon Ball Z Kono Yo De Ichiban Tsuyo Yatsu! Which, which roughly translates into the world's strongest guy, which is, you know, sophisticated. <laughs> Re recapping this one briefly, uh, there's, this, there's these two guys, these two lonely old guys. <laughs> one is named Dr. Cochin, and uh, another plot of a villain using the Dragon Balls. He uses the Dragon Balls to tear down a big iceberg, which. Covers the covers the brain of uh, one mad scientist called Doctor Wheelow, and their plan essentially because he's a brain, he's a big brain, he's a genius. There's a lot of boys from Brazil Hitler themes in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, essentially, these guys want to uh, find out who the world's strongest fighter is and trans. What's the word? Trans. Transfer his brain into their body. Yeah. Pull, yeah, a, pull a Frankenstein and, yeah. Exactly. Like, with Willow's brain and the, the world's strongest fighter, uh, fighter's body, they'll be unstoppable and take over the world in the name of science! So, um, you know, no points for guessing. That happens to be Goku. Uh, although, they, they do go to, after Master Roshi first, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, uh, after, after a bit of shenanigans, uh, they kidnap Master Roshi and Bulma. Bulma eventually says, uh, Roshi was the strongest guy, you know, half a half a century ago. You want you want to go after Goku. He's the guy you want you want. <laughs> Inadvertently dooming him. But uh 
as it happens, Goku and the, his friends are on their way to save Master Roshi and Bulma from the evil mad doctor. And that's pretty much it. You know, the half of these movies ensue in fighting, wouldn't you know it? <laughs> so that's basically the plot. And uh, start off, as always, with uh, Mr. Garrett. What were you thinking overall, just general thoughts about The World's Strongest? Overall, uh, I really enjoyed this film, actually. Uh, okay. I, I don't know if I enjoyed it more than Dead Zone. But because they do, while they obviously have similar tropes in them, it's kind of a different beast because it has a very different plot, a different you know different type of enemy, and it was refreshing to see that. Like I I I, I legitimately enjoyed it overall. The villains were interesting and like I said different, and also you get to see Master Roshi you know whooping ass a little while, which I was like having not seen that before. Oh yeah. I I thought that was was pretty cool. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, that, that's that's one of the best things about this. It's just like in Dragon, it's in Dragon Ball Z, not Dragon Ball. That Master she throws down. And I also like he does a Kamehameha, which I was like, oh, awesome, because um, isn't he the one who taught Goku that move? Yeah, he created it. Yeah, so it's it's, it's his technique. Yeah. Yes, which is nice, and and he's, I think he does it. Yeah, he does it twice in this movie. So that, and then um, also it showed some of the other characters got some some screen time. Roshi got some screen time. Uh, the pig. Um, Oolong. Oolong got some uh, Creeper. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that very soon. <laughs> that's what the movie starts off as. Go- Gohan and him are trying to find the Dragon Balls for his own uh, needs and desires. And right. Yeah, he- he's definitely a Creeper. Uh, he, lo- I thought I was like, oh, is he looking for a diaper? I was like, oh, no, those are <laughs> Yeah, reference to Dragon Ball again where he... Uh, He's he's such a freak. <laughs> and then the the animation look on his face, he's like lo- it's longing. I'm like, oh wow. He's like I think he's drooling. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh, oh. Like Gohan's like, so you know, we're all the way out here in the Arctic looking for the Dragon Balls. <laughs> what 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 do you want to wish anyway? You know, because I've I didn't ask you this before. And he's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> we just see panties fall from the sky. It's like you'll find out. That and then. Uh, <laughs> Going back to one of our, our conversations in a previous episode, the turtle got some screen time. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, he talks. I, I, I actually, what, what does it say? Yeah, in capital letters, turtle talks. It's uh, because um, the evil doctor sends some henchmen to go find Roshi and Bulma. Cyberman, Cyberman essentially. <laughs> Cyberman, yeah. And he, <laughs> he opens the door. Is this Master Roshi's house? No, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, he's talking! Awesome! And then uh, I love when everybody's conferring around the table. Uh, the turtle's there with him. Like, he's, put, he's putting his two cents in, just in case. <laughs> uh, so what are we going to do? Here's the plan. Turtle, what are your thoughts? <laughs> and uh, you awesome. mentioned Cybermen. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I have an affinity for... Short little stock characters with huge craniums because like these guys are awesome. And uh, have you seen the film? It's an older film from the fifties. Uh, this island Earth. Uh, no, I've not. I'll, I'll put a I'll put a, a comparison shot on our okay. Facebook because it looks like they took the Cybermen and in, uh, it used the design for some of the aliens in that movie because it's spot on with. Some of the designs they have, the 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 kind of goggle-looking eyes, the extra-large cranium, which with the sci-fi tone of the movie, I thought it was was pretty awesome that they kind of were 
I'm pretty certain they were influenced by that design, whether they knew exactly where it came from or they had just seen it in pop culture. Because mm-hmm. I saw it, I was like, oh, that's, it's, that's awesome. I can tell that's definitely influenced from that when I saw it. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, um, <laughs> there's a lot of influences. I mean, with these movies, they don't really have Akira Kurama's uh, input, although he does design a couple of the later villains, like, like Brawly, or Broly, however you pronounce that. Um, but, um, yeah, these are pretty much independent, fi- not mostly independent films, but, uh, independent from the rest of the series, but, uh, it, they have a lot of merit to them, and, and they could have taken inspirations from something else. Um, yeah, and it, it sounds like you really liked it. I mean, I'm glad you think that, because this is actually one of my, if not my favorite, uh, of all the dozen Dragon Ball Z movies. Um, it's a toss-up between this one and, uh, the ninth one, which is BoJack. But, um, I've always loved this, World's Strongest. I just love... To me, honestly, because this this came out in nineteen, nine, yeah, nineteen ninety, and to me, this is a lot more of a. This is sort of like what I like to see in anime generally. Now, I'm not like I remember you were talking about your history with anime in a previous show. Also, I am an anime fan, but I'm not an anime fan to where I'll basically buy anything. In fact, I'm more inclined to go after the stuff that is. Sort of around the 90s, where it had a lot of like technology stuff, stuff like Akira or Ghost in the Shell, which I love, the original Ghost in the Shell movie. I like a lot of that stuff, where there's a lot of like science and like a lot of like a uh, dramatic lighting, uh, as opposed to like the sort of like, I, I, in my personal opinion, I think anime has gotten a little bit conflated to be sort of the, uh, the same thing over and over again. And that's not me saying all, all of it's bad because I'm not seeing a lot of it, but um, I like a little bit, I like a little bit more of um, the style it had around here. So this is right up my alley. Yeah, and I could definitely tell that this, it was influenced by a lot of Western culture. How so? Uh, well, it's well, it seems like uh, it's essentially it has like a the the villain uh, reminded me a lot of a, a kind of a comic book, almost a superhero, a Superman villain. Oh yeah, definitely from yeah, the from the Fleischer like era, like a giant robot, which. You ha- I hadn't seen anyone. I haven't seen you know anything similar in Dragon Ball yet. I th- they've got to have done this before in Dragon Ball. I'm trying to think, but like, damn, no. I mean, because hmm, I'm, I'm trying to think. You know, Pilaf, Red Ribbon Army, Piccolo. No, you, I think that I think this is a first. Uh, if anybody's anybody can can uh, contradict that with some facts, please. But I think you're right in that this is the first uh, where Dragon Ball Z's gone up against a mad scientist. And yeah, even then, um, it has a lot more sci-fi elements to it. Mm-hmm. Mind control and you know, big brains and robots and. Uh, no, it has a lot more sci-fi elements with the the backstory, which and that's another thing I also liked in the previous film. The backstories kind of have a painted, almost like a painting type uh, art style to them. Right. They're not. They're not animated. They're they're like kind of like they're yeah. They're a different style exactly. Which so that was that was I really enjoyed that and then yeah the whole backstory with the two evil doctors was was pretty awesome and I like that that's what they the wish because once again Shenlong like shows up pretty early in the film and the wish it wasn't like to be expected he didn't wish for immortality which you thinking being an older guy like I was like okay that's what he's gonna wish for is youth right. back or something there's a first <laughs> not wishing immortality no you're right and I like I like that it was kind of a mundane thing okay. I guess panties is a mundane thing as well, except for if it was too long. <laughs> but um, I like that it was kind of like destroy this uh, iceberg, which I think 
the, the, the film opens up with Piccolo trying to destroy just to test his powers. And uh, I was saying to him, just scream real loud in the camera. <laughs> that solves all your problems. But um, and they, even, no. they even fight cyborgs also. Like, what, yeah, what they, they do. That guy's kind of, or at least, at least bionic enhancements. I, I yeah, can't remember exactly kind of what a, they... Yeah, like creations. Uh, yeah, no, I think cyborgs is, is the right term to use them, uh, which, hey, that's not the last we'll see of them. But, um, well, not, not those characters, but, like, you know, cyborgs in general. But, yeah, it, it, I agree with you that there, there, it's a very unique feel this movie has. I don't, unlike Dead Zone, where you kind of, you can kind of mark off where they're kind of cribbing, crib notes from uh, from uh, the series. I think this one has a, a lot more of a on-its-own kind of story. At least, I mean, there, there are certain elements around the Saiyan Saga, specifically in the third act, but uh, overall, it feels... It feels kind of Dragon Ball to me in that you know there are more of the original characters, but it it feels so so different that I I love it for it. Now is uh, this is it in this film or maybe in the last film that Goku goes Kaioken or he uses Kaioken? Oh no, yeah, he 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 uh, he abuses Kaioken like like he's on the last dollar in this movie. <laughs> because that once again kind of threw in some continuity questions that he had obviously he had obviously trained with King Kai by this point. Yeah, if you notice, you can especially differentiate. I'll say this right now: you can especially differentiate when these movies take place because in the first movie, he has his original uh, turtle uh, martial arts ha- martial arts in-house uh, insignia on his front and his back. And this one, when, like especially if you can see the scene where he and uh, Chi Chi and Oolong and Gohan are in, are in the table in his house, you see the King Kai symbol on his back. So you know not only does he use Kaioken, but definitely this takes place after he's died and come back to life. Um, I don't know when this could have possibly taken place because a lot of stuff happens where it really shouldn't be in continuity, but uh, it's fun on the same. I, I like I like that there are clues as to, as to where they're, they're they're putting their characters, they're plucking them out of the story because in the next movie, um, you can tell by uh, Goku's insignia again when it takes place, which I like. And I, you know it's funny because I, I I thought that um, when I was watching this for the first time, uh, I don't want to say the first time, but like the first time I thought this. I've seen this movie at least half a dozen times, but um, I think this is the first time that Gohan has met Oolong. Because when you think about it, he, he wasn't there when they all, all, the, all the characters met Gohan at the beginning of the series. And you know, he wasn't really there. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the characters interact in the near future. So it's kind of funny seeing Gohan interact with this gigantic pig, as a matter of fact. Like, oh, let's go find the Dragon Balls. And they had okay. a, a good number of, or a good amount of like, rapport already. Yeah, they're very familiar with each other, which I, which I like, even though we, they've not been introduced. Which I got to imagine if you're like wandering around the Arctic with somebody, you'd, you'd get to know them. Yeah, I mean, they said, Chi-Chi said that Gohan was, was gone for three days with, with a very bad influence. <laughs> so, it's, 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 um, no, I, I, I do like that the first half of this movie is definitely more Dragon Ball-esque because Roshi, Oolong, Bulma, those are all like, they, they would do stuff all the time in Dragon Ball, and it's just fun to see. Um, in fact, now that I think about it, it's actually a shame that Lunch isn't in any of these movies, because that would have been a, a good time to have her included. But, um, oh well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just get into it. But we, we have another of uh, Gohan's uh, uh, singing <laughs> singing scenes. Uh, what were you thinking? Because, again, again in, in this scene, there's there's more of a... Uh, let me pronounce the, the woman's name right. Uh, Masako Nazawa's uh, uh, dulcet tones. Um... And, which apparently you didn't get in your version. I don't remember it. I mean, um, I just watched it two days ago, so I didn't. I, I may have just missed it. 
I may have like turned my head, but yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see it in that version. Yeah, you saw the scene where like he was like uh, sleeping from studying and like seeing all this all this crazy crap. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I think she says, Chi-Chi says, "Oh, he he's never fallen asleep studying before." Oh no, he's a delinquent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, now yeah, this this song called Piccolo San Daisuki, which translates to "I love Mr. Piccolo." <laughs> Uh, I <laughs> I love that um, he ha- he you know he's kind of walking the world and he sees Piccolo, and Piccolo's only like a couple inches taller than him. Like, is that how he sees himself? <laughs> I know it's, it's very very like chibi. Like like they're both like kind of like the chibi like little miniaturized things. And I like his image of Piccolo. It's either standing on a mountain with his arms crossed or roaming the world with his arms crossed. <laughs> and Gohan loves it. Like he he, he I mean. Essentially, uh, for those who have not seen it, when Gohan has a dream when he's when he's studying when he falls asleep, that he uh, um, studies, becomes a scholar. What I really loved is that is that we see a lot of like how he sees his mother as like this like kind of like this bird around his head and kind of nagging around like a bug. Um, but essentially, from we we can ascertain from this dream sequence, Gohan wants to become a scholar, then graduate, and then travel the world with Piccolo. That's his life goal because he loves him so much. Um, in fact, some of the lyrics are really, really funny. Because um, I'm looking at uh, the translated lyrics. There's one that says, A voice louder than my mom's. Yeah! <laughs> Where it's really funny. And then, like, again, several times you see, like, these, like, miniaturized chi-chis running around. Um, and what is this, this one that says, uh, Off, off, off goes Piccolo. He's so strong. He's really, really strong. I love Mr. Piccolo. I really, really love Mr. Piccolo. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, it's. I think he's cute, though. I mean, I mean, it's it's fun. He's like again, like five years old at this point. So I I I do. I actually like this more than the other one, because because the visuals are a lot striking. I like the little chichis. I like little Piccolo. Um, it has. It ha- I think it has more bearing on the story than than his yeah. LSD trip. Yeah, for real. Yeah, actually, yeah. It's a lot, there's a lot more context with this one than just him going crazy. It's a dream, and and that's more in terms of the character. And um, they they flash they have, they flash back to when Piccolo sacrificed himself for Gohan, which was nice. Yeah, yeah, and does like I said, this it does more lead into the the relationship they've been building in the show. Mm-hmm. So it makes it makes sense that that the song would be called "I Love Mr. Piccolo" because uh, I mean. For the uninitiated, pickle, "san" is a is a term of respect in Japan. I think most people know this, but like in Japan, um, pick, Gohan always calls him. Pick, he doesn't call him Piccolo. He calls him Piccolo San. Uh, in fact, in the Ocean Dub, a lot of times he called him Mister Piccolo, which would be an accurate translation. So him saying "I love Mister Piccolo" is a pretty you know <laughs> makes sense to me. We were talking about again earlier was that we they include more of the characters, and. I like a lot that we see a lot of like Goku's family in this, like like a normal day, you know, because Gohan is studying, uh, apparently being reprimanded for skipping, not skipping class, but like you know being missing for three days without (laughs) any reason. (laughs) The five year old boy that he is, and um, Goku and Chi Chi are talking about it in in the kitchen, and they kind of have like a very parent like discussion where Goku's kind of aloof. He's like, ah, who cares? (laughs) But um. I mean, I, I I really like that. What what did you think? It shows more of, it, well, it gives more insight into Goku's character because all so far all we've seen is him fight, him die, him train, him come back to life, fight some more. 
-hmm. So it definitely adds, it builds more of the relationship between those two, which has been lacking so far in the show, because... Uh, sort of lacking, yeah. It seems like all she's really concerned about, and Crowley even said it, you know, the last episode we recorded, that he... Hey, you know, Goku's over here also. Not just pick up, not just you know Gohan. So it right. it does show that she cares about him, and she's yeah. she you know that she does respect his his role as a father. Uh, yeah, I I do like it. I like um again the uh quick shout out to the direction. I like how we're first introduced by Goku by like his thumb because he's doing like thumb push ups. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that was really cool. And like you see like a downward shot of. Chi Chi cooking with with like a with like a, a spoon in the pot, looking down at Goku doing push-ups and him saying, "I as long as he's you know happy and healthy, I don't care if he doesn't want to study." And she's like, "How can you do that? He'll he'll be falling behind. He'll be a loser for forever." And you can hear. I like how they cut because you can hear in Gohan's room them talking, so he can hear them talking about him, which that's I, I, that's that's so down to earth, you know. I mean, I think we've all been there where you hear a conversation from parents from you know another room or whatever. Yeah, like it's that. it's very much uh, yeah something everyone can relate to. You know, you've all been in that situation. Yeah, it, it's 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 so, that's something that you never or if you rarely see, if ever, in Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z, like the actual narrative. And I really really like that. I like I like that the movies are taking an opportunity to showcase that type of relationship. You know, an average day in in, in the Sun family's household is is like that kind of. I, I really really adore that. And um, and which yeah when. I uh, when I saw the thumb push-ups, I couldn't help but think of Bruce Lee again. Yep. <laughs> uh, this this I mean, it's, it's funny because from what I understand, Japan and China have a sort of a touchy relationship. Um, so I, I like I like that there is a lot of like sharing of of uh, pop culture references, or maybe stealing. But <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I do like that that Goku is essentially the Bruce Lee of the world or the, the Jackie Chan of the world. I think Jackie Chan probably probably closer in terms of his personality, but uh, no, I, I agree with you. The next note, the next note I have is um, I like when you know this is we again we see more of um, Master Roshi you know putting up his dukes and showing what he's got because like the next scene is you know basically uh, coaching saying, "Oh, come with us so you can give your brain to Doctor." I mean, meet Doctor Willow, and he says, "No, I don't want to do that." And then they kidnap Bulma, so he says, "Okay, I will." And he he takes out the blue uh, Cybermen. And he fights, uh, he fights the Bio Warriors. What, what were you thinking? I mean, I know we we kind of talked about that, but like, we see we see some hints of what they can do. Like the big fat guy, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, Kishime, I think his name was the big fat yellow one. But I thought it was a really cool scene. That like again, it's a lot like when, with Krillin about to fight Sancho in the last movie. These guys look really intimidating. They look like really super bad guys. But Master Roshi, you know, he thinks he can take them, and he tries. So I yeah, really it's awesome. like it's. The fact that he loses doesn't undermine how badass it was. Right. <clears throat> he, I mean, they even say he was the world's greatest fighter 50 years ago. He's clearly still a good fighter, even well, at he his was, age. He was, he was fast fighting. He was keeping up with them. Yeah, and, you know, when he when he destroyed the, the Cybermen, I was like, yeah, awesome. And he's just like, no, I don't want to go with you. He just calmly says, no, you know. And then he, you know, he, ends, up, he ends up getting taken anyway, but. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Again, it, it doesn't it doesn't undermine him. It shows that he's still got it, and I think that um, uh, he's not fought in a long time in terms of like the series since Dragon Ball. So it was fun to kind of come back to that, um, and and obviously it was a good reason for Goku to show up to them because I think Oolong. Why what? Oh yeah, because I'm trying to remember why they didn't know about this before. But then I remember that Oolong told Gohan. 
forgot to tell them for no reason. <coughs> <laughs> and then somehow they found out anyway. So he kind of kind of drive over to Goku's house and say, "Hey, your friends are kidnapped." <laughs> By the way, <laughs> which is funny because, like you said earlier, they had that family conversation in the in the kitchen. Um, so Gohan, where were you last time to tell us? Okay, I'm off. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really, really enjoy that. Um, I think, because again, it's, it's mainly fighting from here on in. I'm trying to go by f- fight by fight. Uh, the first fight we get with Goku is, uh, against the, the big fellow, the big yellow rubbery fat thing, Kishime. What were you thinking about that? In fact, well, I'll start off. What were you thinking about the whole uh, the fact that the fight takes place in the Arctic as opposed to the mountains as we usually get? Uh, I thought it was. I love the change of scenery, mm-hmm. and it kind of played into more of. I guess you can call them the Z fighters. You know, having a global type of, well, having adventures. You know, like you know, running yeah. around, going, not not the same, same scenery over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. No, is is it added? I like that it was like in a fortress first of all, and then later on, you know, outside and then later on, it's a, uh, it's it's in like who knows where, but like you know this big ice area. But I thought I thought it added a lot, especially when it comes into play when Goku's first fighting Kishibe. He falls into the like the ice water, like like through the ice, and he actually says that he can't raise any of his power because he's so cold. Which uh, I mean, it may have been kind of a gag, but I thought it was really really a nice touch. Um, what were you thinking about that fight? I enjoyed it. Uh, that's when he t- when what does he compare him to a marshmallow? When he yeah. says that he's soft, but he he can like take hits. Like, Why oh, is like a big marshmallow? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, although I don't know about you, I was getting the big Mega Man vibe from it because of the maybe because of those those spiked balls that were flying around. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm gonna see that. I didn't think of that in the film, but looking back, yet it is kind of ha- has that that approach going for it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hmm. random, but like, yeah, I mean, I, specifically, I think Mega Man 8, where like you hop in the bubble and fly up and there's spike balls everywhere, but never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was cool. Again, and in this movie, whereas the last movie was basically to show off how awesome Piccolo is because he's so <laughs> awesome, this movie shows off how cool Kaioken is, or Kaioken, however you want to pronounce it. Um, and I like how it's built up because when Goku decides to you know, bust right through him, the music starts up, the cool. As I said before, like 1970s era Chinese <laughs> music, and it's like da 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 da, and then like, he uh, just flies right through him, and then, and then like it's not until he does Kaioken where he just destroys him. And I love the transition here, where like it has, okay, th- that was fun, that was a good warm up, and then you see like Cochin's face, he's like uh, and you see Doctor Willow's um, brain, and he's like huh, and then you see Goku's face staring off into the, the camera, and then you cut to like this silent, silent area where he fights uh, the pink guy um, I mean, I'm kind of I'm rattled up like, I'm kind of repeating myself with the direction, but I really do think that like, it sets apart from the series where the, the toy animation is taking the time out to really make the series something special, I think yeah, this ep- or this, episode, this movie had uh, a much darker palette as far as the settings well, partial, and partial do because it's obviously going to be in a fortress, and that juxtaposition with the Arctic, I thought was really a really nice touch. Mm-hmm. But even I think even the palette of the the fortress kind of plays into more of the sci-fi aspects of the villain. Yeah. In that you know it's it's cold. It's, everything's kind of metallic looking. The bombers even captures in like the, the force field. 
Yeah, the, the, like the invisible electronic force field that every scientist probably has. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it, it actually kind of going back to Mega Man, it kind of was like a, a little bit of a video game, like next level, next level, and then later on it says, "I never thought you would make it this far." That that reminded me of uh, if you if you ever played Metroid, the last enemy in the game is a brain, and of course at the end she gets, <laughs> she gets a body, like, and you have to fight her. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, this could be like the big DBZ game movie. <laughs> uh, that's really awesome. Um, you know, it's funny because I was watching this and I remember you saying that like you like Gohan being dressed up in Piccolo's clothes. If only he had the cape. <laughs> what did you think about him in the cape in this episode? In the, I was like, movie? yes. What it, it, I thought it was random is that he's him and Oolong are climbing the mountain and he has it on and Piccolo's nowhere around. So he he clearly just wears this in his free time. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's so enamored in Piccolo, he's, you know, he's going to wear it. <laughs> I know. I, I, I would. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, the, 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 it's so cool to see him in, in, a, in a cape. Um, he doesn't have the hat, or he doesn't have the little um, turban thing. But, again, again with, with the kind of the cool entrances, when Goku's fighting, um, I think, Ebiforia. Actually, before that, I really, I really do like, the, I just want to say, just real quick, I'm going to spend too much time on it, but I really like the fight between him and the other two guys, uh, Mitsukatsu and Ebiforia, I think their name is, um, where at first he's had a little bit of trouble, but then at one point he like fights two of them at the same time, like really, really quickly, and it starts kind of like like kicking their ass. And um, obviously at that point he's frozen, and then Krillin and uh, Gohan come in, quickly get beaten up. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, there's one note I have where like the, the green guy, he busts out his veins. Like his veins pop out of his arm. He uses them as like as like a. Oh yeah, that was as like tasers. <laughs> that was that, and obviously you know what happens with Piccolo with his veins coming all weird looking. Oh yeah. That was it. Was, it was definitely more. It kind of played into them being c- cyborgs. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that's that's an interesting uh, touch. Kind of gross, but. <laughs> yeah, kind of gross. It, it's a little bit like a. They got the um, the Spice Boys, uh, Ginger and Nikki from the last movie, like yanking out weapons out of their out of their bodies. But um, I mean, you saw him like like kind of like just like go over and scream, and then like he just busts out these veins. It's weird. Now, um, I think from here, I kind of it kind of goes go, kind of speeds up really fast, where it's just basically a bunch of fighting. Although later on, we do get Piccolo. We get we get a big Piccolo Goku rematch, which I, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, I know, I know. Before that, we get a lot of info dumping with it. Like I think Bulma says, wait. Weren't you guys killed over 50 years ago? He says, yes, we were killed over 50 years ago. But you remember, there was a news report about this big explosion. Yes, it just wasn't this big explosion. And I think it, it, it kind of gets into speed racer territory at that point. But yeah. I do like, I don't know. It kind of it kind of moves along quickly, even though it kind of slows, stops and slows down with the fighting and the talking. Basically, the big third act is basically Goku beating everybody up. <laughs> Which I suppose you should get used to in a while. But uh, kind of going from broad strokes, like what, what, what were you thinking about the rest of the movie? I thought the third act moved fairly well and I, I loved the use of the spirit bomb mm-hmm. to kind of juxtaposition with the the sci-fi and the me- mechanical element of the bad guy I thought it was right. it was kind of thematic and I like that he gets thrown into orbit yet he's still a threat <laughs> well all I have to do now is just destroy the world and I can move on somewhere else yeah yeah it's <laughs> like well, that's your master plan because <laughs> they're like oh he's like he's he's still alive it's like yeah and Goku has to channel all, all of the energy. I love that the beam he channels it into is so thin and it's it's reflecting the giant beam that the enemy's doing. Yeah. 
so it's it's not an evenly. It's kind of showing you the power of the beam, as opposed right. to being you know kind of equal stuff hitting and colliding. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's really cool that like um, it's very very like kind of small and quaint. And then like I like when it comes to the orbit, you see Gohan and Krillin look at like the energy, and like really slowly you see oh they, they do that thing again where they show like all the people of the world that all the energy that's gone into, and then it just slams into Doctor Will and blows them the f- up. <laughs> <laughs> um. I really like the end. First of all, I do like the Goku Piccolo fight, which I thought was awesome. I th- I like that Piccolo is really menacing in this. At this point, he's a good guy, but he's kind of brainwashed into being evil again, and he he abuses Gohan several times again when he's not training him. But I like there's a lot of like of when he's trying to attack Gohan and then Goku stops him. At one point, he shows he throws a punch at Gohan. Goku catches the punch like right in front of his face, and they start fighting again. Um, I think they did. They probably did that just to, so like the fans of the original Dragon Ball would get like sort of a rematch that they never got in the series, because Goku and Piccolo only fought once. So I'm imagining like you know it was so hyped up. Oh, we'll fight again. We'll fight again. We'll fight again. And they never really do. So I think that was probably what they were they were going for. Um, what, what were we thinking about that real quick? Having never seen them fight, I mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. Even you know even if it's you know evil Piccolo, right? But, uh, and I love the subtle red eyes. It wasn't. It wasn't overdone with it. it. It was just enough to basically signify, okay, he's he's not in his right mind right now. And then all yeah. of, after after the fact, he's pissed. <laughs> so this is the guy that turned my mind. He's gonna burn. <laughs> and he gets down and takes taken down in half a second. So yeah, Piccolo doesn't seem like a very happy dude often. And if you make him mad, that's probably not a good idea. Well, it's funny because like I like how they. It, like, he takes off his little thing, and like he's got these, these like these stalactites glued to his head. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! Um, which is, which again, it's 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 fun. But if you think about it, it's like, like at what point did the the day decide to do this? <laughs> it's all of a sudden at the beginning, like you know, he's 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 on the exact right place that uh, puts a beam of light and just mind washes him. Okay, but whatever, it's it's it's, it's science, um, and I. My favorite part in the whole movie is uh, when um, Doctor Willow is like in his, in his big like I don't know Hulkbuster armor, <laughs> and um, it's going down. Um, Piccolo gets t- taken down. You you oh tell me what you thought about when he leapt up and then like the three turtle hermit students did the Kamehameha. Oh, that was awesome! Like yeah. seeing them all do it at once. What was it? What was it? The three students or was it, it was, the two it was, students uh, and Master Roshi? Well, well, that's true because like, it was Master Roshi and his two students. Because he said, well, "I love it when he like just led the charge." He's like, you know, he just jumps up, and Roshi just says, "Kamehameha!" And they all just start doing it all at the same time. It's like, yes, this is too cool. Because um, uh, ha- I- I- up, until that, up until that point, I hadn't seen. I guess Krillin has done it, but I, did, I haven't heard him say it. Or yeah, so that was pretty awesome. Seeing, well, seeing kind of seeing you know the master enter the fray with his students. Right, it, it, like him, him, you know, it's usually Goku and Krillin doing the fighting and him on the sidelines, but him fighting with the students, it, that was a really nice touch, I thought. And another great opportunity seized by the movie. Um, I, I will admit to you, it's always odd to see characters not Goku do the Kamehameha. It really is. Because it's so, it's so ingrained into being his move. Right. It's, 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 so, it's, so, it's, it's like Superman and his cape. It's, it's just, you know, you can't have one with the other almost. But at that point, I like when Goku. This this is where you can tell. This is the point where you can tell this is done around the Vegeta fight, because Goku does Kaioken times three, 
and all of a sudden that works, <laughs> or everything else didn't before. One of the really cool scenes is that like when when he does Kyle Kenneth's three, he looks like he's 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 set on fire and he looks like he's in a lot of pain, and then he immediately does the whole like you know Vegeta Goku beam struggle thing, which it. I, I, again, I really, really like, but it's it's funny how shameless that was in terms of like where this came from. I don't know. It felt less organic to the story than the other. Like in Dead Zone, I felt that like Gohan being kidnapped and then saving the day at the end felt a little more organic to the to that story than Goku doing uh, a beam struggle that like mirrored the Vegeta one. But um, I mean, I really, I really, I really enjoyed it myself. Yeah, it was cool, but it, it did have the feel of, oh, okay, well, I just saw this and it was done a little better. It was the yeah, the the Vegeta one was so iconic that you can't outdo it. Um, I, what I do like is that Goku quickly does Kaioken's three, wrecks Willow's crap, and like immediately goes. He, he does like one of the fastest Kamehamehas ever, which I think is a really really good Kamehameha. But uh, because it like you know his shirt falls off immediately and he does uh, Kaioken's four, which is really hard for him to. It's really hard for you to hear. In the in the dubs, because in the dubs you don't know what he's saying, but in Japanese it's, I know it's times four. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of shameless, but it, it's sort of like it's kind of fun in that it is a little bit shameless. I don't know, it's kind of a double-edged sword right there. I see. What, I think I see what you mean. Yeah, it, it, it's fun, but it you know, it did seem to me that the Ko Ken did not have as much of an effect on him as it did in the show, like the the, the repercussions of doing it. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he was. Like, I mean, granted, first. granted, you know, he was in kind of in the middle of the fighting and didn't have a moment to rest. But at the end of the day, when the day is one, he's okay. You know, he's kind of okay. It's like he, this doing the same kind of putting the same strain on his body with Vegeta. Yeah, he was. He could. You know, Yoshirobi slapped him on the back and he was like, "Oh, I'm in pain." Now, I guess you could say he, he had gotten stronger by now. If you, if you wanted, to, you know get into that but i mean he looks like he's in he's tired and in pain after like willow's <laughs> again he's riding the kamehameha up into the atmosphere blasted out of the sky <laughs> where did that come from <laughs> but um i mean like when krillin walks over to him goku looks he's fine i mean he's, he's like uh yes he's of course he's still alive i must finish him with my super air bomb you know because that's the only thing that can work um it, it, it's i i I never actually thought about that—that that he should really be hurting, because he, he did times four again. But um, oh well. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Um, yeah, I, I think the movies kind of like cheat whenever he does Kaioken. That they don't really—I don't think they ever that they ever do that. But um, eh. <laughs> I, I, I suppose in like a sixty-minute time slot, you don't really—you can't really have a fourth, a fourth the hero to say, "Ow, this is really hurting me." He has to be shirtless and heroic. Now, does the Kaioken, uh, is it an ongoing technique, or does it become obsolete at some point? Uh, <laughs> well, well, yeah, with, with, within reason. I don't, I don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, well, it becomes I mean, obsolete by this, but... No, I, I, well, I mean... Um, I mean, I, I'm... There's, because there's, the, the way it was descri- described, it seems as if being able to double your power level... Mm-hmm. W- at any time would obviously be a good thing, but um, when you get into like astronomical power levels, that's going to become a lot bigger of a deal. I'll just, I'll just say, I mean, like, like once the Super Saiyans come into the picture, it's like not really used. Um, Which I, yeah, I imagine, like, you know, you know, I don't think Super Saiyan is spoiling anything for anybody, but yeah. 
No, I mean, I mean, it really like 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 uh, it is like like his desperation move. But like once he becomes a super saiyan, like Goku doesn't really need to do. It. And in fact, it's it's really cool because like in the he goes up against one of the villains during the Android Saga, and when he becomes a super saiyan, they're like, "This is different from Kaioken," which I mean, they kind of name drop that. But like, yeah, no, it's it is it is in, in its uh, chassis of techniques. But and he does, you know, he does go beyond times four. He, he increases like the number, which is awesome. But like it's not something that like Goku will do, you know, by the end of the series. But it it it, it, is, it is still like uh something that is important in a fight, which is it, it, it sort of lends credence to like like again, Akira Chama has a tendency to sort of like make things really really awesome and then kind of like kick it to the curb after a little while. <laughs> just look at just look at Master Roshi. <laughs> but um, uh, I think that's essentially the, the notes I have left are kind of like small things. Like I thought it was really funny where. Gohan and Piccolo charge Willow in, in Earth's atmosphere. Piccolo does an awesome mouth blast, like right into the camera. Krillin runs off and can't get a hit on the guy. It kind of and then back on the back on the on the planet where he said, "Ah, release Bulma right now! You'll be in trouble." And the guy just pulls a gun on him and he runs away. <laughs> oh, I didn't oh. have I didn't have that note. It's like so they can breathe in no atmosphere. <laughs> I want to say that they were still in the atmosphere because they can't breathe in space. That's that's established. Well, no, yeah, I guess it is. It is. I guess I don't think they made reference to it, but it could be considered low Earth orbit. Mhm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. There, there is like where I mean, they're superhuman, so they can kind of like, you know be above the clouds and just breathe fine. But like, they can't fly to Mars. <laughs> fine. You know, yeah. They, they like Piccolo had. I was like, okay, you know, he, he's an alien. It's like, but Krillin and Gohan really? Oh, go even Gohan. Part Saiyan, but Krillin like Krillin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird seeing Krillin that high up. <laughs> Cause he like fl- he flips in the air, like <laughs> all the way <laughs> to the top of the planet. <laughs> He's got ups. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. white men can jump. <laughs> uh, that's getting cut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I agree with you. It, it was it was a little questionable, and uh, I mean they make a point later on in the series to say um, that you know you can't breathe in space. But, um, I mean, yeah, especially, I think in that one, I always took it as they were in the Earth's atmosphere. But, I mean, once again, it didn't take me out of the film. It's just, like, upon reflecting on it, it's like, eh, how did that work exactly? But, yeah, I, I did enjoy that. I, I did, it was cool seeing the three of them distracting him and kind of, the three-on-one giant monster was, was pretty sweet. Oh yeah, definitely. And I liked, I liked how it was spurred on by, <laughs> this is another one, in essence of, you know, a character... Uh, being in incredible pain and me cackling at it, where Goku's ready to throw a spirit bomb, Willow just like you know just machine guns the planet, and like Goku's looking around, he's all of a sudden blasted, <laughs> and then Gohan like looks from afar and sees like his father on the ground, <laughs> and he screams and like you know charges him. I thought it was kind of funny just the way it was shot, but um, yeah. Overall, I mean, like I said before, this is this is one of my all-time favorite uh, DBZ movies out of all of them, and I think that. Just for the reasons that uh, I think that the direction is, again, really good. I think, in comparison to Dead Zone, Dead Zone's obviously a lot more down-to-earth in that it's a little more, like you said, fantasy-based as opposed to sci-fi-based. Although, you would think perhaps sci-fi-based would be a little more down-to-earth than fantasy-based by nature of the genre. Uh, maybe I just switch that up. Never mind. <laughs> but um, I, I really enjoy it. I really like the uses of the supporting characters. I really like... I love... I love Goku's display of the Kaioken. When he busts out of the ice uh, in the middle of the fight, yeah. where he, he just like, I mean, he just kind of heard off screen. He's like, Kaioken! Like, that is like an epic moment. 
And that's, I mean, it's moments like that in, like, his Kaioken times three against Willow where he does a Kamehameha that just kind of, like, are searing to my, my uh, childish brain as a <laughs> really, really fun. So, um, what were, what, just closing off here, what, what were your, uh, what, what did you take away from The World's Strongest? Uh, upon discussing it with you, I think I did enjoy it more than Dead Zone. I think it's a, a larger in scope film. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because it does it does have involved slightly more characters, uh, new locales, and right, yeah, uh, and and he, he does the spirit bomb, and the ho- the whole world is threatened, which it is with Garlic Jr., but it's not kind of shown as much. Yeah, it, it goes back to what you said about the Saiyans, is where you know there are sometimes where you don't when they were fighting Radish, you didn't really feel the threat. But when you were fighting the Saiyans, when you saw them, you saw what they could do, and you did feel the threat. And in this one, they say, you know, oh, we destroyed the city to test our power or whatever. The more you see of the villains and other characters, the more you can realize that there's a genuine threat that um, that you can certainly take away from this movie, definitely. So, uh, do you want to rate it? Um, yeah, I, you know, I think we can for these movies at least. I wasn't, I wasn't really high on rating the series because it's a little more of an ongoing thing. But uh, as movies, as one-off stories, we certainly can. Um, yeah, give your scores for. Uh, <laughs> Let's say, well, let's 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 spit all this together, Jesse. What'd you say? Out of five, out of ten, uh, I'd say uh, out of seven Dragon Balls. Okay, that, that. <laughs> man, I'm glad I have you as a um, um, Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I'll say uh, with the Dead Zone. Um, see, I even discussing them, I couldn't find anything really negative about either of the films. Uh-huh. Nothing that just either set you know rubbed me the wrong way or was like, eh, you know. I didn't like that, so I'm going to give the Dead Zone a 5 out of yeah. 7, uh, and I'm going to give The World's Strongest a 6, only because I enjoyed World's Strongest more, right. and I don't want to give them like a 6 and a 7, because I don't know, I may, down the road, I may see one uh, I might like more, so I kind of want to reserve that spot for after reviewing all of them. Maybe I'll, maybe we'll do like a retrospective and say, what, out of all of them, which ones do you think were the best? Oh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Because definitely, yeah, like I said, there's there's nothing that stuck out as... There's some you know, minor gripes with continuity and stuff, but if you, I think if you go into it with an open mind as far as that goes and, and not try to beat yourself down with trying to fit them into the storyline of the show... Yeah, I don't think you could take points off of this not fitting the storyline. That's not really what the movies are there to do. Yeah. They are, you know, kind of plucked from the storyline in terms of like how the, how strong the characters are and what they can do, but that's not really, that's not really the reason why they're made. So I agree. With, okay, so you give like essentially like a, a five out of seven to Dead Zone and a six out of seven to World's Strongest. Yep. Okay. Um, I, I like I really like that idea, and it, we can definitely like like once we're hitting like the series retrospective, we can come back with these and uh, see how we feel down the line. Um. I would probably give. I really like both of these a lot. Like I, these are literally like out of all the out of all of the uh, DBZ ones, DBZ movies. <laughs> not not to color your opinion, but I, in my personal opinion, I think that these rank up as some of the best right off the gate. I would literally give a uh, uh, Dead Zone a six out of seven Dragon Balls and uh, World Strongest the full Monty of seven out of seven because I think that like those two really really hit their mark. And the only reason I, why I would give. Uh, Dead Zone, not a perfect scroll, and World Strong is a perfect, is because I think that um, as good as Dead Zone is, and I agree with you, there, I don't think there are really any flaws. I mean, there are certain things, you know, like where the Dead Zone come from, but those aren't really important. And they're nitpicks, I think, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're nitpicks. They, the, the, there are problems if you want them to be problems. 
Um, and I, I will say that later on the line, there are de- legitimate like prop, plot problems with the movies, uh, you know, later movies. But uh, with these, just in terms of personal enjoyment, I think that, um, yeah, I think that they're right up there at the top. I love, I just love the 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 whole thing of Dead Zone, and I love the story of World Strongest and just like the battle and just the whole sci-fi nature of it and the science. And like again, as I said, you know, those sort of like that's the kind of anime that I can, I can sit down and really get into. Yeah, and, I, and I'd like to throw it out there for fans. Uh, if you guys do want to, obviously, email, let us know more about what your opinions. If you agree, if you disagree mm-hmm. with, the, with the films, we, we want to wanna hear. Daniel, oh, yeah. come on, man, you know. Yeah, but we're counting on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and Steven, too, because he, he specifically asked about the movie, so I was wondering which movies were his favorite. Um, I'm, I imagine probably the later ones, because like, the later ones that introduced like, Gogeta and stuff, I, I would imagine they're probably people's favorites, but I want to wonder what people think about the more, uh, the first few DBZ movies. Um, so that's another one down for us. <laughs> I said this is going to be a shorter one. Well, I lied. <laughs> or I was, I was, uh, the amount of discussion we had lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's, it's two movies, reviewing two movies. That's, that's still not bad. Well, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, I, I always enjoy talking DBZ with you, man. And, um, I have no regrets. <laughs> As do I. As do I. Excellent. Enjoy. Excellent. Not like, yeah, I have no regrets either. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, next time, we are going to head back to the, the main series, the aftermath of the Saiyan Saga, and the next adventures for the Dragon Ball Z fighters. Um, as of now, I'm not exactly sure how much we're going to cover. So I don't have any uh, episode numbers or chap- manga chapters for you guys to catch up with. Although, rest assured... I will put that on the Lipson page and the Facebook page before I re- we release the next episode. That will be that will be out for you guys to learn. So uh, do, do not worry. We will definitely let you know. We won't just hop in saying, "Well, as everyone knows, we're going to cover this and this." You know, <laughs> there's no no questions about it. Um, 
Um, so until then, uh, any final thoughts from you, Mr. Jesse Garrett? Uh, people, if you haven't seen these movies, I'd suggest watching them. Um, I don't even think you need a really a prior knowledge of the show because they do they more or less do stand on their their own feet. I, if, yeah, if I really uh, enjoyed them, I would I would actually show them to someone who hasn't seen the show, and uh, if if they were interested, I'd say hey, we'll check it out because with the show, um, it had Dragon Ball preceding it. And these, while it has right. a series preceding even that, they, they more or less stand on their own. Mm-hmm. So, so particularly as self-contained stories. I agree with you. I think, I think Dead Zone's a little bit with continuity because there's a whole Piccolo thing, him being the bad guy. But you can figure out... Pre- I mean, at the very beginning he says, I'm going to get you, Goku. And like, you can kind of figure out their enemies. So that there's, not like, there's not a whole long story that you need to figure out. Yeah, I mean, we, especially, particularly with uh, Garlic Jr., it, it, Everything is explained in in film. It's he's not an existing villain, so you're not missing out on any of that dynamic. I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, I mean, if you if you're already a busy fan, have not seen Dead Zone of the World's Strongest, please go see him. Uh, see him for the fight scenes. See him for the character dynamics, which are excellent. See him for the wonderful animation. I, I gotta say, um, the the movies really do tend to have like really excellent animation probably because they are like you know specials and i think that like especially in the third act the animation really fires up in every single one of the movies oh actually you know that is something i did want to ask um because mm-hmm. i imagine you'll know this these were filmed or not well i guess filmed created in tangent with tangent with the show they well, were is it was it a different production company or was it like in the the, the season break um just to bring that up real quick um I don't want to say these were done. I mean, these were done when the show was coming out. Actually, oh damn! <laughs> I had, I had, I actually happened upon dates where, where, where the series was um, when it came. Out. I actually do know. Okay, going off from memory, I do know that Dead Zone came out. Right, actually, Dead Zone came out right where we're at in the series when Vegeta's defeated and flies away. That's when Dead Zone was released. Um, the World's Strongest is a little farther down. It's a little bit in the middle of the next saga we're going to go over. Which I'm gonna say the Namek saga, <laughs> but and then the next the movie that the next movie we're gonna cover, uh, the Tree of Might is even further down, uh, and you can tell by the kind of techniques they use. But yeah, they're basically they're done. You know, as I think they were pretty much done in between um, seasons of the Japanese airing. I'm assuming okay. because this yeah yeah they were yeah if you go by like uh, just basic you know series or seasons of, of certain television shows you can probably ascertain these are sort of like specials that led into them they probably weren't done in the middle of the specials because the animation companies have to animate both the episodes and yeah. the movie now these were <clears throat> these aired on tv uh as as full-fledged films well um both dead zone and the world Sh- or i should say return my gohan and the world's strongest guy both of those as i'm looking at them right now were released at a the World Strongest was released in between episodes 39 and 40 of Dragon Ball Z on March 10th, 1990 at the Toy Manga Matsuri Film Festival along with Akuma-kun and the 1990 movie version of Sally the Witch. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so apparently these were, fil- these were premiered at a film festival. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I, I, and I think they, they definitely warrant that in terms of how, how well they were made. Well, because uh, it's, it's an interesting approach to have ongoing series and also an ongoing series of films typically uh 
you know, to Western audiences, um, a TV special comes either after the show's ended or after it's, you know, it's it's canceled or it'll be three episodes just strung together and labeled an event. Right. I, I mean, even even like I, I remember um, some certain like uh, some certain episodes of a TV shows kind of get conglomerated into movies like like the Batman Superman crossover in the in the DC animated universe as is that can be sold as a as a movie as opposed to a three-part episode. Yeah. And like these these are legitimate movies. Like these the, yeah, these were never episodes of the show. So Yeah, there's it's, uh, it's an interesting interesting uh to hear kind of how, you know, the production behind them. I I agree and I, and I think that like it's interesting to kind of compare what we've grown up with and what we're familiar with in terms of like a western Western cartoons and how they're kind of done with you know seasons or whatever. Now, did Toriyama have any input on these? Or no, you you mentioned that earlier, didn't you? You said he he kind of. As far as I am aware, Toriyama didn't really uh, contribute um, much towards World Strongest and Dead Zone. He did design some villains of the later movies, such as Broly, 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 um, Bojack, I think Cooler. And maybe one or maybe one or two others. Um, I will say the very last movie. Um, I forgot what it's called. <laughs> the very the thirteenth movie that has Toriyama's design all over it. Those characters look like they. You, uh, some of the characters are kind of. Uh, you can easily tell they were drawn by Toriyama. Um, you might you might kind of be a little more uh, questionable with Garlic Jr. and Doctor Willow, but um, which is why I don't think that he did. I don't have any. I don't have any confirmation whether he did or didn't. I just know for a fact that he did like like a uh, um, seven, eight, nine. He designed those those movies villains, but as far as I know, not these two. Okay, which I, I'm not opposed to the villains in here. Like they they have different designs, which I think is cool to you know have some variety to it. Uh, and even without his input, I think it's like I said, they're still very good films. Uh, Definitely so. I mean, I, I I really like the villains in, in Dead Zone because I like the henchmen, and I like I think Garlic Jr. is a really as as he he, he could have come off as really annoying. I thought he's I thought he's pretty pretty badass. Um and uh, Doctor Willow, I, I think they're fine. They don't really they're not one of my favorite villains, but I, I I think they're they're they work well for what they are. They're they're mad scientists. Yeah, they're 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 art types. Right, archetypes definitely. Um. Yeah, sorry to tangent off again towards the end of the episode, but <laughs> no, I don't, that just I, came I, to I, me. It's like I, I didn't mention that, and I had planned on it. No, no problem at all, man. I mean, I mean, do you have anything else? Because I'm, I'm out of, uh, uh, I'm out of my script. <laughs> that I don't have. No, no, I'm just winging it now. But yeah, I think other than that, that's that's the last note I had, and that's everything I wanted to contribute. I'm looking forward to the next ones um, because I, it, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was not excited for viewing the films but i didn't know what to expect as far as quality or as far as it's like well i know this isn't gonna you know play into the actual story of the show but now after kind of seeing the possibilities as far as not having to continue the story you know the the ongoing narrative you can you're freed up to do a lot of new and exciting things so Hopefully, um, I won't be disappointed by, or disappointed too heavily by any of the next ones coming up. Well, no, I, I think that like each and every single uh, uh, movie has good points and bad points. Well, I, I won't say bad points. I don't think there's a bad point in these two movies. <laughs> They're awesome. I think that um, each movie has a really cool point to it. Um, they all they all at least have at least 
a really nice gimmick to them, which you can sort of like take away from it. Um, some are, some are liked more than others. Uh, I know a lot of people really, 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 really do not like the eleventh movie for whatever reason. <laughs> um, and I, I, eh, I don't dislike it. And I'm not even uh, looking. Uh, not even worried about not enjoying something because so far I've enjoyed every episode I've watched and every movie I've watched. So it's I'm I'm waiting for for that instance so I can go okay let me look at this critically you know so I'm not because I, th- I think it'll be a decent uh, a decent conversation hopefully oh yeah I- I'm especially interested to see to see what you think about it because these are all these are all very 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 different like they're all like um <laughs> well I mean they may have some layers of the series but in terms of stories like we're not we're not going to see like, a ripoff of of, uh, of Dr. Willow <laughs> in these movies <laughs> So there's, there's, there'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of ground to kind of like consider and see. Like, yeah, I mean, like, like this, just between this. Dead Zone and World's Strongest, they're very different different films altogether. They're not. They may have some of the similar tropes, like Gohan getting kidnapped, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, on the, they do stand on their own and offer their their own type of experience, viewing experience. Yeah, the only uh, similarities, which is always a positive, is that you get more of the supporting cast. Uh, we, always, we 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 get a lot of uh, later on. I mean, we we get a lot more of uh, Chichi, Oolong, Roshi. Um, but basically, basically the characters that we don't see as I mean, we see as much in uh, the series. The ones that don't don't get as much screen time, we see them develop, and we see more aspects of their personality in these movies. Okay, which, so that that continues on. Okay, because that's one of the, one of the highlights I've enjoyed so far. So I, I think that's cool. It's kind of it's kind of a a supporting satellite type viewing experience if you want more from the these characters. <laughs> the Adventures of Chichi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I wholeheartedly agree. It's definitely the best part about. I mean, it's in terms of like the overall Dragon Ball Z franchise. I think like one of the best things you can have about these movies is that you have you have developments of characters that that our main heroes care about. We see why they should care about them. And we see, you know, like we see, you know, Goku's family life, and I, and I love that scene again. Like, you know, when they're discussing Gohan, and, you know, how will he turn out when he's an adult, and Gohan's dreams of the future. It's just, just really nice touches that I think that, like, and it, again, and that plays into uh, having more appreciation on the show because I, you, you're more familiar with the characters, even if it doesn't directly tie into continuity. The none of these characters acted out of character as what we've seen before. Yeah, and they're never going to contradict the characterizations. They're never going to, like, I mean, uh, yeah, you're never going to see Gohan in these movies saying, I never liked studying and I never will do, never do it again. <laughs> so it, it, it'll, it'll be fun. These really are, like, uh, like as though, um, it's like uh, car- cartoons that have a tie-in comic books, you know? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they just flesh them out, and they're really, really well done for what they are. For what they are. Um, I mean, the third act will always be fighting, but, like, until until then you can always, and the fightings are really good. Until then you can always like always guarantee some quality development of the characterizations of the characters. Sounds good and, to me. Alright, yeah. I don't know at this point I'm not sure how if we're gonna cover the only one or only two or maybe even three, just depending on how they're into the uh the canon on our coverage of the series. The next one is the Tree of Might, uh, which certainly doesn't involve a tree at all. Because <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> I think I've seen that one some of that one because i mm-hmm. i vividly remember the commercials from toonami those are so awesome <laughs> <laughs> but i don't i don't 
obviously I don't remember much of it. Like I didn't I didn't remember any of Dead Zone uh besides the the actual portal period. You know, I remember that visual, but not other than that it was all new to me pretty much. Now, I will say um I have not seen uh movie 4. Uh that's only one of the the, the um I forgot what it's called. <laughs> but uh and I, and I won't say who the villain is to spoil it, but like uh I I know what happens. I've seen clips of it. I've seen how it ends, but I've not seen. I've not sat down and watched it. That that one's another one that has a kind of a low opinion in the, in a fan, in the fan community. But then again, the fans hate everything. <laughs> so so uh, it'll be interesting. That'll be sort of like me, uh, uh, sitting in Jesse's chair and kind of looking at this for the first time. Now uh, that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, seeing you come at something with a fresh perspective. Yeah, def- I'm definitely interested in that, especially see what people would dislike about it, if anything, and maybe it'll be like, maybe that'll be the best one ever, who knows? <laughs> Krillin, take care of Gohan! Okay. That's that's all I have for, and I, and I really like that we're doing. <laughs> it's it's our show, but you know, I, I do like that we're doing this, taking time out to um, check take a look at these these movies and kind of analyze them from this perspective. And uh, any final 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 thoughts? Because otherwise, we can kind of like insert uh, Gohan's crazy songs. <laughs> um, I'm going to attempt to not fall asleep while. <laughs> <laughs> while my podcaster is trying to reach me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, no, that's fine. You, you said you were, like, taking medicine, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I was I was prepared. I wanted to come at it full blast and fell asleep waiting waiting on the show. So that's my bad. But, hey, I think I'm uh, wide awake now, so. No, I, I think, I think <laughs> we, we, you turned in another, uh, another brilliant performance, sir, and um, I think uh, – I, no, it's, it's, it's cool. that's the benefit of spring break. There's no classes to worry about next tomorrow. In fact, I would probably wager to say that this is probably going to get turned around really quickly. But uh, only time will tell, listeners. <laughs> because Don so. is a beast in the editing room. <laughs> He's like, yeah, this one's going to take a little longer. Um, two days later, episodes four done. Oh, well, 
So long, Don, let me tell you. Well, I mean, like, you never know what the weekend's going to bring. Uh, as opposed to, I remember, I remember one uh, episode three, I did that pretty quickly because <laughs> other than the, the second episode, I had I had stuff to do. The third episode, I didn't, so I kind of like did that. Like Anyway, you guys don't want to hear about that. You guys <laughs> want to get to the next episode. So uh, next month, in the month of April, uh, how will how will the Z Fighters uh, deal with uh, their fallen friends? How will Vegeta deal with his defeat of, of Kakarot slash Goku and the, the Earth Fighters? <laughs> will he ever get a shatter fixed? Will he be able to handle over 9,000? Will he ever shave his widow's peak? You decide when we listen to us talk about the next adventures of Dragon Ball Z in the next dimension. So, uh, for me, it's adios. Konnichiwa. No, that's hello. Crap. Uh, sayonara. Say- sayonara. There we go. <laughs> Hit it, Gohan. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. You can find the show and leave feedback at www.dbznextdimension.lipson.com. That's www.dbznextdimension.lipson.com. Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and Dragon Ball GT are all owned by Funimation, Toy Animation, Fuji TV, and Akira Toriyama. Dragon Ball is created by Akira Toriyama. Someday, I'm going to be a great scholar. Go!